welcome to the Reality Explorers podcast. This is my personal journey of exploration and investigation, questioning what is really going on around us. What is underneath the surface of it all? What does our mind interpret as real and what may not be real? Join me now as we dive in deep and explore reality. This episode features a follow-up conversation with reality hacker Lisa Bruder. The genesis of this discussion was a follow-up to a binge-watching session of the cable TV series Devs and the topic of determinism. I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation. Impromptu uh, discussion, but uh, it's an interesting time. Uh, Timing. On, on, on many, many levels, yeah. And yeah. by the way, I hmm. took advantage of my insomnia, and I, I binged all of Debs. Oh, you did? <laughs> yes, I did. So so I, we're on I, the same page now. And I thought I, I, thought I was uh, a little on the fringe trying to cram all eight hours in in a, in a day. <laughs> all I could think of afterwards is I cannot fit one more piece of information into my brain. <laughs> it's a lot. My brain is full. <laughs> well, then I see. I t- after I did that, then I followed it up with the two-hour presentation from Eric Pepin. Now tell uh, me about him. I'm not familiar with his work. Okay, so he does a. How do I describe him? I guess I could describe him as a reality hacker type, but he leads like meditation groups and stuff, and and gives talks about bending reality and that kind of thing. Okay. It's kind of on the edge, on the edge, so to speak. Um, but I've had some interesting experiences with his meditation. So he's, he's kind of out there, but okay. I've had an experience. So he, he's about trying to have out-of-the-box experiences. So how, how did the information from devs tie into his material? Ah, well, one of the things was he wanted to use the idea of determinism to explain how psychic, psychic powers work. Okay. So he was using that as an example to explain how psychic work actually is possible. Okay. And and then he actually made an interesting reference to, so not only does the universe do calculations to do predictions, but internally, since we're a representation of the bigger picture, we're doing the same kind of thing internally. We're doing running simulations internally. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a, I, I really like that point. I'm, I'm going to have to, <laughs> uh, I know you spelled his name um, in our messages, so I have to, I need to go check him out. Yeah, I'll see if I can, if they publish the link for previous episodes, I'll go find that. Okay. Uh, first time subscriber, it, it costs, it, he did it as a live class, so it cost me like 80 bucks, but yeah. Wow. Um, um, I'm kind of on the fence whether it was worth it or not. There was a lot of material, but yeah. then it, 
and I don't do it every month. So right. it's one of those rare, uh, the classes, yeah, his classes do run expensive. Sometimes I'll sign up when they're on special. Okay. Like he's done like Black Friday sales. <laughs> you can get cheap old stuff or he'll do like a, a series to lead up to on a big event. Yeah. And on, on the small pieces, he'll charge like 35 bucks. But Yeah, you know, and it's funny. That's we're going a little off topic here, but that's sort of one of the things I'm struggling with as I'm setting up. It's like. I don't want to be one of I don't want to be an asshole who's charging ridiculous amounts of money. You know, I really don't. Yeah. And I don't need much money because I've hacked my my finances so well. Yeah. Um, so it's like and yet I don't want to do it for free because exactly. people don't seem to value things that are free. So I'm trying to find like a really reason because I just need like 130 people to work with. Mm -hmm. I don't want thousands of people right now. I want small groups, you know, because um, here's the thing. You know, I'm 54 years old. I'm, I ain't getting any younger here. And I have to look at, like, how much time I have left in the game and mm -hmm. what I need to accomplish. And I really need more people to work with. Mm -hmm. I need to uh, expand and replicate the experiments and, and get other people trained. And, and, you know, it needs to start moving beyond me in my, in my house, doing it by myself and none of my friends getting what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> it's like, okay, Lisa's really smart and she's doing weird crap and we don't get it, you know? And um, so it, it just, it needs to, um, so I'm, I mean, I'm looking at like Patreon subscriptions that are like 15 bucks a month or 10 bucks a month and include. That's fair, you know? Yeah. yeah and yeah, I, I wanted to sort of run that by you because I'm, you know, sitting in a vacuum here trying to figure it out. And, um, um, you know, I want something that's really reasonable, really painless, but like where you're getting tons of videos. And I would like to do a monthly uh, sort of live stream conference thing so that people can talk about this is, you know, I'm having this trouble with the, the clearing process. I'm, you know, how do I, you know, and, and just sort of work through people's specific uh snags with the with you know or or hear their results and and say okay here's the next thing to do and that's kind of where i'm at right now well how how long do you see the program taking from beginning to end and when you take someone through it how long are you looking at the process a year <sighs> that's a really good question i don't see here's the thing uh um i I, and I sort of learned this from Robert Schoenfeld. It never ends. Mm -hmm. you're, you're always finding new ways to either shorten uh, the processes or or there's more to add on to the end of it. So for the basic thing, um, you know, I can teach the pieces in a in you know a few hours, but it takes a while for people to do the pieces. That's the especially the the first one. And like I said, I'm, I'm having trouble getting people past the first one, even though it's really simple to do. It's just it's uncomfortable. And um, it, it really is a um, uh, it really changes the whole your whole internal paradigm of how things work. And, and um, you know, the idea of and, and I realized I'm, I'm actually going to put this on my Instagram because I realized that uh, 
one of the core benefits. What the hell? Really? Apple? Jeez. <laughs> I'm getting <laughs> notifications over your face. It's like, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> not now. I don't want to hear about the stupid pandemic right so, this second. <laughs> um, so ironically, not, not to like break the train here real quick, but no, so go ahead. the th idea that came up, one of the things that Eric talked about was error correcting code. And you can kind of look at that little episode of the ads popping up over my face as the error correcting code, because we're getting ready to talk about hacking reality and making changes. Yes. So, so the, the know, system doesn't like it. It's trying to screw with us. Yeah. Yeah. So and, and I, I get that all the time. I'm I'm always like, really? You know, come on, just let me let me do it. You know, you, you know you want me to crack you. Just let me do it. <laughs> Just let me go. Let my people go. <laughs> yeah, but I, I um, it, the the just the first part, just the cleansing, the the sandboxing process, is uh, it's a real paradigm shifter because you can keep, um, you can keep the lessons, the wisdom, the happy memories, and remove all the emotional and energetic entanglement that part can be removed the rest can be kept and uh and i just acid tested it over the last few months i mean i just broke up from a, a three-year relationship and so i man i had to acid test my own techniques you know i had to go back to basics and i had stuff to clear and it, it was amazing how fast i was able to move through uh a really crazy breakup and and I feel really good about the relationship like I can look at pictures of them and I still talk about memories of them and it doesn't hurt you know it's like it was good and I'm glad I did it and I do it again even though it was a spectacular blow up at the end and that was his choice not mine I, I'm usually an adult about these things and shake hands and you know uh whatever but um so, I mean, I have really battle tested this stuff now mm. under under like like worst case scenario. Um, and so I'm, I'm really I'm really happy. But that's what I that's one of the things I realize is such a big benefit is not only does it does it deflate the gaming structures and, and make everything more wide open and unobstructed. But it just removes all of these energetic things while keeping all the good stuff that you get from it, you know. And uh, I, I'm really, I'm really pleased with that, with that outcome. Anyway, I digress. But yes, I watched all of Devs, and oh my God, I learned some stuff. Um, first of all, I had no idea. I see. I only thought that there were two. Uh, quantum collapse interpretations, Penrose and Copenhagen. I thought there were only the two. I've never heard of von Neumann Wigner, or I mean von Neumann Wigner, or Everett, or and there was another one that I didn't get written down. Mm. I did not know that there were more interpretations than just the two. Had you ever heard of those before? No, I kind I kind of wish I took notes, but I was so engrossed in the show. <laughs> I, uh, well, I actually went I, right before we got on. I went back and I got two of them, and I have to find the third one that they mm -hmm. mentioned. 
I'm really interested in Everett. I, you know, I thought it was a Penrose girl, but I'm realizing I'm sort of a Penrose slash Everett person. So um, that was that was really eye opening. Uh, I, I I was with Katie all the way. It was like, no, von Neumann Wigner sounds like bullshit. <laughs> Everett's the way to go. <laughs> what what was really fascinating with the show, and then uh, then Eric commented on this later was this idea about where the devs were they thought they fixed it with their solution of incorporating many worlds yes. and then ceo got like all mad and everything going well that's not the current reality that could be any other reality that we're seeing right or it might be a slightly different reality than what's current so it's not accurate um uh and they they went yeah but it worked you know but they were like it's not but there's a solution to that that they missed. What's that? Every reality instance, whether it's the, you know, one hair over or not, every reality instance has its own unique frequency. So if you can identify the frequency, then you know what instance you're looking at. And then you can, and if you can identify the frequency, the exact frequency of your own instance, then you know, then you can use the, the, the many worlds model but know which which one is yours. Mm. They missed it. Oh goodness! <laughs> but the interesting part was Eric commented on that piece again in reference to psychic work, and he was talking about the many tram lines. Yes, following the tram lines, and then he was describing how when he's he made this analogy to a sailboat and trying to let's say do a psychic session and. He's like steering the rudder and he'll be feeling like he's being like directed in another direction, but he's got to steer harder to stay in the current swim lane to keep going straight. And mm -hmm. then he's got to use another sense to kind of feel if he still feels like he's on target. But he, he said in his early days, he was off by, like you were saying, just by a couple hairs. And then as time went on, if his prediction was a little further out, he'll be way off. Yeah. So he's had to train himself to feel his way through. Is he still on the current tram line or is he on a different one, even if it's slightly different? Uh, one of the things I found that helped, uh, I did training with uh, Jack Houck and I, I think I mentioned him to you before. He's a father of spoon bending parties. Oh, cool. And um, amazing guy. Unfortunately, he's passed away, but um, I was fortunate to get to do three classes with him. Mm -hmm. I did two classes of spoon bending and one class of remote viewing and and his his training his suggestion and i found this worked really well is to remote view with a partner so if you were to do one of eric's psychic sessions you, you it's a lot less work if you don't have to like maintain your location while you're looking if you can have somebody there to help track where you are and be reporting to them, I'm here, I'm here, and they can guide you, they, they're sort of your anchor. Oh, wow. It really frees up your internal resources to, to view and gather the information and verify and fine tune. Uh, working with a partner really helps. Hmm. And uh, uh, Jack Houck really recommended that. And I, I've only, I only did the remote viewing once, and it, but it was very interesting and it was definitely uh, easier with with a, a person there to 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 sort of be your spotter is what they are and uh it, it works it works very very well so 
the um, it was like in that project I did, uh, and I never got to test it. You know, like I said, I just had the one the camera guy who was acting as my audience, but yeah. I, I really wanted to test the idea. Well, he was happy. He was a happy camper. Yeah, he was. <laughs> I, I just wanted to test the idea of two people meditating together could be a stronger force than, let's say, a whole group of people meditating on the same thing. But you got two people meditating with the intention of ramping up the juice, so to speak, together. Okay. Um, combining the the Reiki energy with some was like syncing together. So, like in some of the VR experiments where they did. Uh, I called it link and sync, but where they're like linking up with each other. And then they did the VR headset experiment where one could sense what the other person's seeing. So yes. they thought they were the other person. It's, so it's, it's, it's actually lab, lab, uh, lab stable astral projection is what it is. It's artificial. It's, it is astral projection in an empirical laboratory setting. It's, it's absolutely amazing. So I wanted to use that idea with meditation with a partner to see if the two meditating together as one could actually juice up the energy compared to, let's say, a couple people meditating on the same subject. Um, we we should try that. We both have VR. We should try. I don't know if you're. I mean, we're both Oculus, but because you're you're on the um, the wireless and I'm on the full Rift, we should still be able to connect though somewhere. Hmm. I wonder because I got the cheaper the go. I know you got the go, but the go goes to certain Oculus spaces that I should oh. be able to get to. I mean, okay. are there any meeting spaces or any social spaces? There are. I just haven't figured them out yet. But yeah, we should is. coordinate that. We should try that because yeah, I do the same thing. I let my Rift go by the wayside, and I get pulled into other things, and, and then my computer crashes or you know stuff happens. So, um, but we should do that because. Um, you know, you're the first person I've really, you know, been friends with who who uh, has a rift, who has a who has VR. So, you know, we should use it. We should try it. Hmm. Good point. I would be curious to see how that how that works out. <laughs> yeah, because I'd love to get back into VR experiments, but you know, unfortunately, in Uru, I don't have my Uru people anymore, and hmm. that's very limited anyway. Although it's amazing, but it's still you know, it's still limited because it's it's not full VR. Um, it could almost be. I'm so mad it didn't quite. Uh, <laughs> but that's another another thing. Hmm. But yeah, we should we should definitely play with that because why not test it? I, I think again, my experience is that VR VR just makes everything better. <laughs> but no, it just amplifies by adding that extra layer of reality by by uh, mixing the pot just a little bit more, unlocking things just a little bit. You're still in reality, but it's not fully connected. And it, it's just, a, uh, you're just unlocked a little bit enough to, to get somewhere. And um, who, who was I gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say something replied to that. Um, what was it, you're, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> That's okay, it'll come back. Yeah, there was something there I wanted to say, but anyway. Jeez. <laughs> um, so, okay, so let me ask you uh, another question. How familiar are you with uh, with Dean Radin's uh, random number generator projects? Uh, roughly, I remember reading about it. Okay. I know they don't do it anymore, but they had it running 
at the time when they're like the 9-11 happened and the, the miners, uh, they got stuck in the, the cave. Oh, I didn't know they had it running during the Chilean mine uh, disaster. Interesting. And then there was uh, another couple other ones, but they were able to measure, yeah, the big changes. Yes. So. Okay. Well, yeah. And I was shocked to hear that it was defunded. That hmm. is, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm really a little flummoxed and perplexed by that because that is actually the basis for something like DEVS. You take that data and you add AI to it and you get the predictive you know, factor and you tweak it. And that's what DEVS is based on is, is you know, at its very mm. uh, core, that's RNG stuff, totally. Mm -hmm. And same thing with Westworld, uh, which I'm assuming you haven't seen yet, mm -hmm. but in season three, they have a similar type of thing to DEVS. Uh, it's called Insight. Uh, the company is called Insight, but the actual predictive machine is called Rehoboam. And uh, it's the same thing where there's there's that that normal static of, of randomness, but when but when there is a certain kind of event, there's a, a spike in coherence. Mm. And suddenly the numbers start coalescing and there's actually a, a spike in the data. And the bigger the event and the more emotional the event, the mm. bigger the spike is. That's, and, that's the key piece right there is that emotional element. Yes. And that's what Halk, Jack Halk found too, is that... Um, he, he called them peak emotional events and the, and it didn't even have to be spontaneous emotion. He found that in the spoon bending events, you could whip, you know, whip, whip people up artificially. Like it's a, like it's a Pentecostal service or something. Mm -hmm. And if you, and if you could whip, sort of whip everyone and bootstrap on the excitement of what's going on, it, it gets higher and higher and more and more spoons start flopping over. And then you would work up to uh, rods. People, some people were bending these incredible rods. I, it was just amazing what I saw people do when, when, when the during the peak because it opens like a window. It, it takes reality and it stretches its potential just enough to allow more things to happen. And that goes back to the Morpheus quote from The Matrix: "In the Matrix, some rules can be bent and others can be broken." And so this is taking a hard rule and, and just bending it out, you know, temporarily. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's those peak emotional experiences are, are really important. I actually contacted Dr. Raiden briefly uh, online. Mm -hmm. I just I, I sent him a message and he he responded back pretty quick. And I was asking him if if they had captured RNG data for the uh, the the. 2016 election and he said they did but he wouldn't give it to me he was like it's in my new book and i'm like really <laughs> really yeah. okay okay we'll we'll i'll we'll do that that's okay was the so, is the book still being written or is it already published i don't know i i have to look into that um this was this was like a year ago so i'm i'm hoping it's out but i i need to check um i'm gonna get it from the library <laughs> Because all I want, I just want the data from the election because I used that night. 
I knew from I, I knew about RNG. I knew about peak emotional experiences. I knew that that it was a, a thinner reality to work with. I, um, you know, and in uh, in Westworld, see, in in um, with the RNG research, they basically refer to it as an, an increase in coherence. In Westworld, they they um, they call it a divergence. There's a divergence in the data, so it's it's buzzing along, and then suddenly, predictively, the AI is predicting a spike. So something big as a war or an explosion or a, a pandemic <laughs> or you know an election or whatever, and and it creates a divergence. Or if there's a person who is getting off their tram line and making stuff happen, they create a divergence. They're an outlier and they can create divergences. So um, I'm actually going to put a, a trailer up, a, a Westworld season three trailer that shows the insight system. It's mm -hmm. beautiful. It was fun because when I was learning about uh, Raiden's, uh, Raiden's material and Lynn McTaggart, you know, working with the RNG stuff and all that, all of that, you know, it was always a, a they'd always show it as a straight line and Hauk always showed it as a straight line. And but when Westworld got a hold of it, they made it into a circle. And then they made layers of circles as you go back into past events. Oh, and wow. it's just when I saw it, I just got chills. It's like this is beautiful. It's so they took the idea and they made it so elegant. And the guy who runs the company actually has a watch with the circle. So he can he can um, monitor Rehoboam's uh, activity, and he can see if if a spike is starting to emerge. Now, here's the thing that Raiden found that was fascinating. There isn't just a spike of the event itself. There's actually a backflash from the future. There's a pre-bump and then the main event. So before 9/11, there was there was a bump forming before the before the first planes hit. And, and, and it formed and it formed and, and then suddenly it went whoop, as, as the planes hit and people realized that we were, that it wasn't an accident and that we were under attack and that we were probably at war. So um, that was an amazing discovery. And that is something I have also been using because when I did my, um, uh, actually what I did on the election night is I opened a portal. I, I had been opening a portal this, and this was like the third time I opened it. And each time it was getting more and more chaotic. And I thought, oh, my God, what happens if I open it during one of these divergent events? All hell broke loose. It was crazy. It was crazy. I, I got badly injured. And a lot of other people got badly injured. And it was nuts. I've since learned how to make it safer. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't been able to test it yet, but I'm almost certain I can make it completely, like, not chaotic not chaotic and not have crazy stuff happening, but it was very, very powerful. But while I was opening the portal before the actual election happened, I got, I, I got, I caught the backflash. I actually saw the backflash. You did. And I'm like, shit, this is the, oh, I know what this is. And, and I actually, I, I really haven't told anybody this because there wasn't much point because it was just going to make everyone more upset than they already were. I really didn't think Trump was going to win. 
I, I really thought that it would be, you know, this hilarious thing in history where, oh, this crazy guy ran it. He almost won, but Hillary pulled it out the last minute. I really, all the, all the polls were showing that that's how it was going to go. You know, all of our lousy predictive stuff that doesn't work because it's not AI. Uh, it's just bad data compilation. But uh, I saw that he was going to win. And then I saw this massive wave of darkness. It was deep darkness and it scared me. And it, I chickened out. I should have stuck myself there and made myself look into it further, but I didn't. I just pulled back and I said, that's not gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. There's no way. And I was like, you know, I, I did I did my, I, I, I skepticized myself. I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm just, it's just a thing, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't, I was not courageous enough to, to get in there and get dirty. And sure enough, a few hours later, results were coming in. I'm like, holy fuck. So I've been waiting for this dark wave to come because it hasn't hit yet. And it might be starting now, but it's not here yet. And I know he's going to get reelected. So, um, but good news the next election will be another uh it'll be another divergent event because you can predict them when you know everyone's going to be so riled up and so upset and so focused they're going to be talking about it for weeks and months beforehand mm -hmm. that will create another divergent event mm -hmm. it will and if COVID and if COVID comes back uh, a second time stronger that will also be another divergent event. We're in the middle of a divergent event right now. Everything's all topsy-turvy. Everything's kind of unhinged. Nothing is working quite the way it normally does. We are in the middle of one right now. And it's very usable. I mean, yes, it's bad. I, you know, it's bad. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying I'm not upset about people being sick and dying. But there's a good side to it. it this is a, a usable moment. This is a usable phenomenon that has been well documented by Raiden, by Halk, by I'm sure other people that I'm unaware of, mm -hmm. uh, that I would like to become aware of. And obviously it's, it's a major theme in fiction. I mean, we're getting terrific fictional models. Devs was breathtaking. Mm -hmm. uh, the third season of Westworld really did a good job in, in playing with the idea also they did slightly different things with the same concept in uh in devs they talk about tram lines in westworld it's story loops same diff different terminology ah, so storm loops is what story loops story loops story loops so you're on a, a particular based on who you are how you were raised what your experiences are you tend to run a certain story loop. You have certain habits. You you mm. tend to, to pick certain kinds of jobs, certain kinds of livings. And so you run your routine. You run your story loop, or at least the hosts in Westworld run their story loop until somebody else interacts with them and takes them off onto a tangent. But after the tangent is over, they we they revert to their basic story loop until another until other visitors interact with them and take them somewhere else. Well, that's exactly what we do. We're, we're absolutely on story loops. And until somebody interacts with us and pulls us off in another direction, but then we tend to, to pop back to what we're comfortable with 
and that is our our loop mm -hmm. and uh yeah so there's a there's a lot to unpack there but it but again with these lovely fictional models it's becoming easier to 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 wrap our brains around it um so a couple things i wanted to comment on i've been taking notes i could come back and, and i forget some hit, stuff hit me hit me okay well the first thing i wanted to say is when you do these classes i, I want to be in there with you uh to do some of the work just because you're the only other person i know that does this you know mm -hmm. i'm still trying to find other people but it's as far as you know doesn't seem to be very common <laughs> well I'm, I'm getting some signups uh not a ton unfortunately i can't use my old email list because it's too old but mm -hmm. people are signing up at my site and they're like whoa this looks different you know so i'm gonna i'm gonna start throwing them some yeah. tests and some stuff and like okay. you know here's here's what it is you know are you are you ready to you know get dirty you know so this isn't like fluffy box new age stuff so if someone wants to be a part, I know we're doing, I'm, I'm putting this out there early because I, I want to do So if someone wants to get in on this at the early stages, how would they sign up? Okay. So what I'm, um, what I'm playing with, again, I'm, I'm playing with, uh, the, how I want to tier things. Um, I'm going to definitely have some, some videos with clips and teasers and, and, um, uh, and I try and cultivate my Instagram Mm -hmm. stream so that it also has little chunks of teasers you know little tastes of things and so i want the the video to or the the website to give you a good sort of basic education of of what this is about but if you want to dive in and and you know really go through the thing then i would probably do like a, a ten dollar a month patreon thing with yeah. all the videos and um and then I was thinking maybe having a $15 level with the uh, the counseling, and that would be limited to like 10 people and people could rotate between the two levels. Like if they, mm -hmm. you know, if somebody doesn't really need counseling anymore and they feel like they've got it and they can do it on their own, they can go back to the $10 level and then allow the space for somebody else who needs, you know, personal help. That's kind of how I'm noodling it right now, but I'm not, you know, I'm not sure yet i might have to play with it so okay does that so, mm -hmm. does so that sound reasonable you know actually what i would do because I mean, of the energy involved with the counseling part yeah um, the ten dollars to get them access to a subscription thing like videos ten dollars sounds fair you start injecting your personal energy and doing counseling mm -hmm. you, it almost feels like you could up that a little bit more from like from, 20 yeah so 20 okay. Yeah, it really does feel like you could up that a little bit because okay. you're, you're putting your personal time and yeah. energy into that. And that's why I would just want to do the counseling like once a month as like a group call, you mm -hmm. know, like, you know, almost, I mean, group therapy. No, I mean, it's, and, and that's the other thing is um, in order to do this, people have to have basic functionality. You know, if somebody is a candidate to go on Dr. Phil, they're not ready for reality sure. hacking. They're, they're just not, you know, <laughs> you know, if you, if you can't handle basic functioning and basic counseling and, you know, just people need to have good, uh, good self-awareness and uh, uh, good insight and, mm -hmm. and be able to work on their own, you know, once, once they, you know, sort of been walked through the, the process. Mm -hmm. So, 
that's that's kind of what I'm looking at. And again, I only need like a hundred people or so, and I could literally I, I would not have to work. I could literally dedicate myself to this, which is all I want to do. I don't want to spend part of my day doing a crappy job and then come home and try and do this. I've, mm. I've had to do that too much already. And, uh, and right now I'm in a position where um, uh, I'm getting paid to stay home, which is great. And so I, I want this to continue. I want this to be the, the new normal where mm. I am just here doing my research and coordinating with people and running experiments and, and, and having people replicate things and, and giving them this ability, you know, and giving them these tools because they're, they're, they're very powerful. And then also at the same time, I have to take the dangerous stuff and find a way to make it safe in a way that the safety part can't be just snapped back off. So <laughs> uh, that's, that's going to be a bit of a challenge too, but it needs to be done. Mm. And um, that's uh that's basically what I'm what I'm looking at right now. I just want to keep it really simple, mm -hmm. and but I want people to really be able to run with some amazing, you know, life changing tools and really see, really interact with their game differently. Oh, and I'm even looking at a way mm -hmm. of switching tram lines. Oh, cool. It's a theory. It's it's something. It's a technique that one of my friends showed me, and I need to get her on Facetime and say, "We uh, could you walk me through that again? Because I want to see if I can replicate it with myself or with other people, and then is, use that in experiments." Is that along the lines of the idea of quantum jumping? No, because quantum jumping is fine. Is Hypnotizing yourself to find a parallel version of yourself to sort of counsel you mm -hmm. how to be more like them here. That's that's quantum jumping. Uh, so you're that's talking more about literally switching timelines. Yes. Like going to bed, waking up, and you're in another life. Yes. Okay. I think I think it could be done. I don't know if it can be done. I'd, I'd want to start with very tiny increments. Um, but basically, my my friend. Um, who ironically was right in the middle of the place where I was opening those portals. <laughs> I'd go up and visit her and I'd open a portal before I went in. Oh, she didn't like that. But <laughs> she, I, I'm a little reckless for her. Um, but she, um, she has this, um, she's into non-dualism. Mm -hmm. And she has this amazing, she took me through this amazing technique where simply by asking me questions, about who I am inside of here, she could roll me back out of myself into total nothingness. Where I had no awareness of, I had no connection to who I am or what I am. I'm just in nothingness. Are, are we talking something different than ego death? I've never heard of, no, it's, maybe it is, I'm sure ego death is, is involved, but it really is a disorienting nothing. It's amazing. It takes a while to wear off too. It takes like a couple of hours for it to wear off and for for you to rewire in. There, there was a guy on YouTube. I forgot his name. He did something like that where I forget exactly what he did, but he he called it an eagle death. But he kept re questioning himself, like, "Is this real? Is this real?" But he he was at it like a couple hours, and then he just got to a point where he was like in a state of like, "I don't know where I'm at." <laughs> wow, that's cool. 
yeah, she was uh, she was able to do it in ten minutes. My God! But I was ready too. So you know, you have to be a good candidate for it too. But she was like, "Yeah, I think you're you're ready to to do this." You know, because we were because we'll go for like a year or two without talking to each other, and then we get together and we exchange a bunch of information, and then we sort of <laughs> separate again. And um, what's funny is that her name is almost is like one letter over from Amaya. Oh wow! Really? Yeah. So that to me is like a little uh, synchronicity of like, okay, you need to call her. You need to do this FaceTime. You guys are in quarantine. You have the time, you know. And I, I want to see if I can replicate her process without having to bug her to do it. Oh wow! Um, so I've got, like I said, a little bit of a list built up here, so I'm kind of going to be jumping back to reference some stuff we talked about, but like I said, I'm building up a list, so it's like, I'm going to jump on some of these things before they get too far behind. Um, so you brought up the non-dualism thing, mm-hmm. and, and then I mentioned the eagle death thing. Um, so there was something, so what came out of that for me was referencing the, well, two things, two parallels here. I'm, I'm going to try to figure out how to string them together okay but there was that moment in devs where they said that they couldn't see beyond a certain point which was when lily showed up and had the gun and uh, they couldn't see beyond the moment that she died basically yes. they were like it's broke the machine's broke we can't see nothing uh, so sticking with that idea the nothingness right and, and then the machine can't predict the future after that point right um because she made a choice that was slightly different than what it predicted originally. So she broke the machine somehow by mm-hmm. making a conscious decision that wasn't predicted. Um, and then I'm going to figure out how to branch this over. But so with the non-dualism equal death equals nothingness comment, uh, Eric talked last night about how to break the predictive programming. Uh, he was calling it, uh, I forget what he called it exactly, but basically it was it's like you get into a deep meditation and you're in a nothingness state okay. uh-huh. nothing around you. He goes, that's even if it's for a few seconds, that's when you actually break the predictive element of reality of the machine that it can't track you at that point. It's when yes. you go to that nothingness space. Yes. So that non-dualism thing that you're talking about equivalent to basically breaking out of uh, the machine it and is. not being tracked. It is. And and so here's the idea for my experiment. Um, I want to be able to access that nothing space at will to roll my, I call it a zero roll. That's my term for it. Like when you roll into a space where you're totally zeroed out, Mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're completely unwired from your avatar. And so, um, but what I'm wondering is what if when you come out, there's like you leave yourself a little box with a message in it, with a new program or a new set of instructions or parameters. Hmm. And as you're coming out, you you open the box and read the new thing. Hmm. Or if you or while you're zeroed out, you start reading it. Oh, that's probably you want to be at the peak of it mm-hmm. um, and start reading it and read and see if that changes the tram line a little bit it that, might be that it would be it's basically a hack it's it's new code mm-hmm. it's new code and 
I think, and the angle of attack is good. I think, I think it would work. It would be simple and elegant and I think it could work and it's pretty safe as far as I can, from what I can tell. So that particular exercise that you're talking about, is that related to the, when we talked last time, you were talking about 5D space and actually escaping reality to go to a 5D space to do some work? Um, the 5D space is harder to, act. see, here's, here's, this is one of my, my biggest, if I had the biggest, to if I had to name my biggest personal flaw, it's that I make things too complicated. Mm -hmm. I always start with something that's really unwieldy and then I cut and then I find, okay, there's gotta be a way to streamline this, make it quicker, faster, dirtier, uh, more portable, less equipment. So um, I can get into 5D space, but it's kind of, it's clunky. It's got a lot of steps to it and I've done it several times and it's interesting and it's awesome, but it's, I really have to whip myself up into a, a you know, where I'm in the mood to do it and I have the energy to do it and there are a lot of steps and, and it's so, kind of complicated. And I don't know that it's, it would be, I don't know how good it would be for teaching other people. Cause it, it's just so, there's just so much to it, but something, but this experiment that I just described is something new that I came up with. Oh, it's new. And okay. I like it cause it's faster. Mm -hmm. um, you can do it without VR, although you could also do it with VR. That would be, you know, again, adding the VR layer always helps to, to unlock everything, to un, un, uh, uncollapse everything. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, this is a new streamlined thing I'd like to try. And, and it might be a lot faster and a lot easier to teach and a lot easier to, to walk people through. But I, I need to call. I need to. I have a lot of phone calls to make this week. <laughs> I really do. Uh, referencing um, previous, uh, what do you call it? A previous interview that I did. This one was when I did the interview with Christine Breeze. She was the founder of the University of Metaphysical Sciences. We did a meditation. Uh, there's a meditation that she gives where she literally takes you. It's one of her advanced ones, but it's like she literally takes you out, like you astral project. Okay. And you literally borrow your, it's alchemy. You're literally, so you're using the emotional energy. You're literally borrowing energy. I don't want to say it from the dark side, but you're borrowing, borrowing mm -hmm. negative energy since there's so much abundance of it. And then you're reforming it and then putting it back into reality to create something positive. That's what the clearing process does. Oh. exactly what it does except the clearing for me the clearing process is a lot faster because you don't have to go into a meditative state to do it it's like it's like you're t again you're taking something that's pulsing with lots of and it often is dark energy it usually is the traumatic events that really entangle us and tie us into the game the the traumas and the and the difficult things that are charged with negative energy and no matter how much you try and get over it or go through therapy or whatever, there's always a charge on it. You know, every time you think about it or see a picture or it's just like you never can quite completely get over it. And the clearing process not only lets you get over it, but it lets you drain it for every drop of energy. And and you're not like, let's say that let's say that the event is connected to another person. OK. Um, you're not doing any magic on them. You're not hurting them. You're not 
harming them in any way. You are just opting out of this energetic exchange that goes on because of the events that happen between you. You are opting out on your end and you are taking that energy and recycling it into positive use. So you're set, so you're you're deflating this 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 monolith of of pain, of of trauma, of damage. So you're deflating that like a Capri juice packet, okay? Mm-hmm. And and you're taking that energy like a quickening in Highlander and you're you're changing it. You're you're um you're uh um shifting it and changing it and repurposing it and using it to propel yourself forward. That is the power of the, of the clearing sandboxing process. Mm. It's fun. When, like it's, the first few times I did it, it was awkward. Cause I, I was, I, cause you have to sort of memorize a, a script to get all the pieces in. But, but after you do it, after, so the first time is kind of awkward to sort of stay in the emotions and run the script and, and do it until it's deflated until you can think about that event or that thing or that person or that situation. And there is just nothing there except you. It's just gone. But yet you still remember what happened. You know, it's (laughs) not like you don't change the past. The events still happen, but energetically it's all changed. And that changes how it goes moving forward. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So the, um, yeah, so I mean, it is just this absurdly uh, uh, powerful process. But what I found is that after a while, I didn't need the script anymore. Like once my body and my consciousness and my spirit learned how to do it, now I can just, you know, again, like while I was going through this breakup, I wasn't running the script in my head. I was just every time something with him came up that was giving me anger or energy or sadness or 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 whatever, I would just get it, get in the middle of it and drain the crap out of it. And he wasn't injured at all. He went on his merry way. He's fine, but I am not hurt. I am not devastated. I am not damaged from it. It's, um, but I'm, I'm energetically opting out of all of the, the, the bits of the relationship with him. And I'm saying, okay, I'm, I'm opting out of this. I'm, I am, um, I'm unsubscribing here. You know, I am unsubscribing from this. And, but not only am I unsubscribing, but I'm taking back my energy, you know, the energy of this, which is very powerful energy, and I'm repurposing it, and I'm changing it, and I'm, I'm um, uh, um, metabolizing it in a different way so that it can be used for my purposes in a positive and, and beneficial way. Mm. So... And, you know, and God knows there's a lot of raw material lying around to work with. There's, there's plenty of, of things to create those emotions, that emotional energy. And that's gold. That's like, a, again, that's video game stuff. You can just go around and go, you know, and until, until you've just got this, you know, kind of nice wide open space with not a lot of stuff in the way. Mm-hmm. And then it's easier to, to go off tram lines. It's easier to hack. It's easy. You're, you're creating a, a more open space where you can change the game more easily. Hmm. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was, did you catch the joke in devs? Which one? The, the title of the show. 
Yes, deus. Yes, deus, and then in Latin, deus. Is deus in Latin means God. Right, I so, love that. And then what happens at the end of the show, right? They literally turn, they get resurrected inside the machine in a simulated world. And, <laughs> and which brings up, you know, what's the difference? Well, okay, but that was their way of changing a tram line was by going off of their real life in, into the into the into the sim. I I disagree with that a little bit. I don't think it's I don't think it's you know real life in the sim. I I think it's different instances, and they're all it's all simulation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's it's all simulation. I think it's you know one of the things I I, I was noodling on that again I haven't really shared with anybody yet. This is exclusive here it's the first time uh, you know the whole 2012 thing mm -hmm. i didn't have an opinion about that you know i was watching all the new agers go oh it's going to be this and it's going to be that or you know or some people think it was going to be the end of the world and i didn't feel like it was going to be the end of the world and i didn't think it was going to be the age of aquarius or anything either but i wasn't i i figured it was probably going to be something but i wasn't sure what Mm -hmm. So I just decided to wait and see. And looking back on it, the, the conclusion I have come to is that 2012 is the beginning of the end of complete lockdown of a collapsed reality. Like before 2012, reality is reality. The rules are the rules and they're really hard to break. But mm -hmm. since 2012, it's like it's almost like it's almost like a quarantine left, a partial one or the beginning of one where mm. things are loosened up just a little bit, and become a little more pliable, a little more open source, mm -hmm. a little more, you know, workable. And I think the further we get away from 2012, especially with all these um, with all these deviations mm -hmm. that are happening more and more frequently it's it's like birth pangs they're they seem to be coming closer together mm. uh that there will be more and more pliability in reality which is you know which that's going to make a lot of people uncomfortable it already is but mm. for people like us it's an amazing opportunity what what is it that gives us the awareness of where we're at currently in one of those timelines versus the other one it's just partitioning it's just simple partitioning. It's it's Roy 2.0. It's just partitioning. And I can I have access other versions of myself when I get into those 5D spaces. I've I've been able to uh, part of my routine when I go into VR to do a hack and and try and try and, and I'm not going deep into 5D. I'm just sort of scooping into it a little bit just on the edges because 5D is is it's doing this all the time. It's like being, it's like trying to work in a fun house. It's, it's really tumultuous. So if you just sort of go on the outskirts, you get the benefits of it while maintaining some stability. So it's a little less like being in a crazy fun house and a little more like the, the end of interstellar. If you've seen that mm -hmm. where it's, where you can maintain some static, you know, some stability where you can kind of, you know, orient yourself and figure out what the heck you're doing. So I, I just sort of scrape 5D when I do my VR stuff. But when I've been in, in dream states and I've accessed um, 
uh, 5D space, then it's it's the it's this. <laughs> and I'm trying to I'm trying to talk to someone and they're passing by and we're trying to exchange messages and it's like, wait, okay, well, bye. <laughs> you know, it's it's like that. It's it's mm -hmm. nuts because it, it doesn't stay still. 5D is constant motion. And if you look at the computer models of it, uh, it's a tesseract. You, you have to learn to work in a tesseract, which is, you know, for us little, you know, three plus one D uh, entities, that's, that's, that's rough work. Um, so the, uh, so just being able to sort of skate it in VR works, uh, works quite a bit better. And but but in that even in just that little shallow kiddie pool of a 5D experience, I have been able to uh, access and sense other versions of myself, including a couple I didn't like. Usually, I enjoy my my parallel selves, and we actually tell each other jokes. Like she'll tell me a joke, and I'm like, oh my god, you're funny because I'm funny and you're funny and you're you know it's 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 amazing. But I've also met like one or two versions of myself. Total bitch. Total bitch. I'm like, oh my God. Wow. I didn't know I was capable, you know? <laughs> I was like, okay, bye bye. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go find a nice version again. And yeah, yeah, it's fun that I've, I've, I've been able to do it well, like maybe five or six times. It's really fun. It's mm. like, it's like having a best friend. And, and this is another, this is another fictional model that actually has bothered me because um, in the past 10 years, there have been a lot of really interesting indie movies about uh, parallel worlds or parallel worlds crossing over or meeting parallel versions of yourself. Mm -hmm. And the fictional conclusion is always the same. Mm -hmm. I need to kill my parallel self so that they don't take over my instance. It's always this fear and terror and unbalance. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. This is not good. And in one movie, there was one character who, you know, is sort of the, the introverted weirdo. So, like, you know, I totally got her. <laughs> and she, she did the right thing. She made friends with her parallel self and realized this was, like, her best friend that she could possibly have. And they were like, and, and the whole the whole thing was taking place in a party in this one movie. And so she's off in a corner with her parallels. Everyone else is freaking out and killing, killing their parallel selves and replacing. And she's off in a corner, like with her herself going, wow, this is, wow. You are, oh my God, you're so amazing. And they're off in a corner, just like totally into each other. And it was, it was fantastic. But, but the overall message I've seen in parallel world uh, um, messages is be afraid and kill the parallel so that or, or kill them and take over their instance if you like their, their instance better, if you like their tram line better, hmm. um, or, or they might kill you and try and take over your tram line and replace you. So you better kill them first. It's, it's, and this is just that visceral fear of what's coming. You know, it's in... It's it's good storytelling, but I was I watched like two or three of these movies, and I'm like, oh no, man, I got my work cut out for me. Well, what what bothers me is the inter entertainment industry likes to use predictive programming. Mm -hmm. So, with that said, oh, good point. They, they do use it. That's true. Well, 
so what are they trying to predict by portraying killing your other self in another timeline? I mean, it just it kind of messes with your with your head a little bit. Uh, it, 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 it does at first, but again, the faster you can get used to it and embrace it, the the less it becomes this fearful thing. You know, it's the fear of the other. It's the fear of the unknown. It's mm -hmm. it's 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 multiversal xenophobia is what it is, you know, <laughs> and if we can move past that. And again, I'm hoping that my teaching and my training will help people get there because once you adjust to the new paradigm and real and also realize that things have loosened up a lot in the past eight years, um, this is cool. This isn't something to be afraid of. This is fun. This is fun stuff. This is this is opportunity. This is um, this is fantasy come true. This is you know you become your own sci-fi superhero doing this stuff. This this is groovy. This is you know this is what this is what we were supposedly shooting for here. I mean, except the... that it's real and mm -hmm. and and it's not fear. You know, people are great with things as long as it's theory and fiction. But when you give them a real life way to do it. A, a lot a lot of people lose their shit when that mm -hmm. happens <laughs> and I, I i remember how you were telling me 10 years ago people weren't ready were weren't ready for the reality hacking thing uh but the fact that devs became a mainstream show yes. or at least it's out there it's out there that's a sci-fi show uh it means you know maybe people are a little more open to it now that it's out there as entertainment well, even even if they don't find it themselves, at least it's out there where I can, you know, we can point them to it. We now have these amazing points of reference, even mm. if it's just a trailer, you know, even if they, you know, don't want to get Hulu or don't want to pay for the series or whatever. Um, you know, another thing um, I wouldn't mind doing are like watch parties because I have Hulu and we could all watch devs together and discuss, you know, uh, there's another, uh, there's another app online, uh, uh, a reality hacker who passed away, turned me on to this app and we used to use it together. Um, it's called rabbit. Ironically, it has a white rabbit as a logo, which is just fucking perfect. <laughs> and uh, rabbit allows you to like, so if I have HBO, and you guys don't. I can put HBO on my phone, on my rabbit thing, and everyone can see it and watch it. Hmm. Yeah, it's a really great sharing platform. So hmm. yeah, Katie used to uh, put put together all these really cool things in Rabbit, and like a few of us would get together as a group and watch it, or we or we would watch Westworld <laughs> together. Um, we were watching season one together and and discussing it and it was it was really fun so um that's a possibility i think that would be incredibly valuable because there are some there's some really good stuff out there but people don't know about it because you know it's not the freaking tiger king you know <laughs> you know i i still don't get the whole tiger king thing because i haven't seen the show or i keep hearing about seeing the memes hearing people talk about it but i'm like out of the loop on that 
<laughs> I I watched it and I've been what's really fun more than watching the show itself is watching reaction channels and watching other people freaking out to it for the first time and going, oh, it can't get any weirder than this. And then it gets weirder and darker and more bizarre. And it's like, oh my God. And now I'm watching somebody, a I'm watching a German person react to it. And we're all furiously messaging this guy going, we're not all like this. We're not all like this. This is not how all Americans are. Please don't think this is how we are. Because it's just embarrassing. But it's it's an amazing show. But it, it's just it's just good, goofy, trashy fun, you know? <laughs> And, you know, and everyone's bored in quarantine. So now, so now people are doing things like they're Joe, they're, they're dressing up like Joe exotic and posing with their cats and, and their dogs. And it's hilarious. I I've had a lot of fun with it just as a stupid distraction, but, oh my God, but it would be, I would love to see devs, you know, devs and, and, you know, some of these parallel little indie parallel world movies like coherence or, seven seven in heaven and there there were like two or three of them plus one was a was the party one that was a really good one um i have to like buy all these movies and get them in my collection so that i have this little this little collection and then um um and then also of course you know devs and west i have devs and westworld through my through my streaming apps uh but i'm always looking for the next and interstellar too you know, and, and the problem is, is, uh, you know, th like something like Interstellar was a huge movie, but people really had trouble with the science and they have trouble, especially with the last, you've seen the movie, right? Mm -hmm. Have you seen it? Yeah. But people have a lot of trouble with the last part when he's in, when he's in the Tesseract and it's a frozen Tesseract, which is amazing. A frozen spectrum partitioned Tesseract so that he can interface with it. Because if it were in full motion, he, he would just be spinning around forever in there. It, it wouldn't work. He could barely do it with it, like, frozen for a while. But it's like, I got it. And not only did I get it, but the way it looks is very much the way it looks when I've been in there. Like, the, like the coloring and everything. They really nailed it. Christopher, okay, the whole Nolan family, Christopher Nolan uh, did uh, uh, Inception and, and Interstellar, and then there's Jonathan Nolan and his wife, Lisa Joy Nolan, who did fucking Westworld, okay? I need to have dinner at these guys' house, okay? I want to have dinner with these three people because we have some stuff to discuss. We really, really do. I don't know if they realize how, I mean, they, they have a sense that this is where things are going, but I don't think they realize how much of it is applicable right now if you just go off the beat and track a little bit. And I, 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 God, I just desperately want to talk to all three of them, but especially Jonathan and Lisa Joy, because damn, they, mm, 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 good stuff. Anyway, so do you have any other notes to? <laughs> yeah, actually, um, and this is going back a little ways. <laughs> um, I, I, one of my other interviews I had, uh, my last one actually, um, the guy does clearing statements as part of his work, but he. Okay. He does something that he calls, uh, I forget, uh, but it, it basically encompasses acupressure, uh, but he does it remotely. So he does like remote acupressure and he uses clearing statements and uh, vocal sounds. How do you do acupressure without the pressure? 
Uh, is the person like touching their spot while he's speaking to it or? He, he uses a, uh, something that acts as a conduit for in between. So like if he's doing like head pressure points, he'll use like a mannequin head. Okay. And so oh it's- my- that would work perfectly with the with the um, artificial astral projection. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, that would be amazing. Hmm. Because because like if okay, if he and I were in VR, mm-hmm. and if I could project myself into something that his avatar, or actually he could just do it on my avatar, and I could project myself into my avatar, and he could mm-hmm. do direct. Oh wow! Yeah, the the motions are limited. Uh, the, um. I'd have to noodle on that. We're, we don't quite have the tech for it, but we're almost there. It's so close. The, uh, the, but the, the point I was I'm going. Sorry. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, but, uh, so anyway, I just wanted to introduce who he was. But during our talk, one of the things he talked about was uh, I mentioned the laws of the universe, the 13 like basic laws of the universe. And he goes, you know, since we were talking reality hacking, he goes basically. If you change the word "laws" to "rules," then you can break. Um, then you can bend them. Uh, the only thing that you can do with a law is break it, uh, but with a rule, you can bend it. Yes. So he was saying, if you can find a way to restructure the way that the thirteen laws are said, and then you can make it a rule by changing the verbiage, then you can bend those rules. Yes. Yes. So it was kind of neat. He was making the references of laws versus rules. I, I like that. I like that distinction. And I think it's important. Again, you know, for me, that got done 20 years ago with the Matrix. You know, again, that Morpheus quote is that the Matrix has rules, not what, you know, he didn't make that, but but the Matrix has rules and, and some of those rules can be bent and others can be broken. And so you're right. The, the more... The thing is with reality hacking, and this is one of the discomforts that people have have difficulty with is that you're working in a lot of gray space and some of that gray space is dark okay it's not all you know rainbows and unicorns and and mm-hmm. you know cupcakes it's you know again you, you got to get dirty here you know but as long as you know who you are and what you're coming back to and what your purpose is you're not gonna you know wind up as darth vader or something okay <laughs> you know but but you know, it's okay to, to acknowledge that there's darkness and that darkness can also be utilized um, and, and again, repurposed and sort of, you know, it's almost an alchemy of, of repurposing and, uh, and, and redirecting. And then your life is that much cleaner and that much lighter and that much brighter. And yet you still have that edge. You're not like, oh, everything's all happy and good and wonderful. And you know, you still have that, you still have street cred, you still have that edge, but, but you're, you know, really working it in a, in a great direction in a powerful direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it's negative energy doesn't, again, and I'm reemphasizing what I said earlier, just because it's negative energy doesn't mean it isn't wildly usable. It's energy. You just have to, you know, reflavor it. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, that's, what are the 13 rules I don't think I'm familiar with those. The 13 laws of the universe? The, yeah. I guess I can just Google that because I, I don't know if I'm... 
I have actually I've got it. I can bring it up real quick. Okay. It's uh, I think like the first, you know, one of them obviously is the law of attraction, but I think one of them is like uh, all is one. I think is is one of them. Okay. Let me pull up the list. It's it's kind of interesting. Uh, let's see here. My logged in. A browse. Uh, let's see. So there we go. Uh, dun, 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 there we go. Okay, I guess it's 12. I, I don't know what I was coming up with, 13. <laughs> okay, Maybe so. there's another one that, you, that we haven't discovered yet. Okay, so 12. Uh, first one is the law of divine oneness. Okay. Uh, second one is the law of correspondence, as above, so below. Okay. Uh, the law of vibration. So these are expansions of the hermetic principles, basically. Yes. yes. Who, then, who, who added to it? I'm not sure. Because um, there are only seven hermetic principles. I'm not sure who added to these. Uh, I know, right? I, it did start out originally as seven. Um, I'm not sure. Keep, uh, keep reading. Okay. All right. So the number three was law of vibration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Law number four was the law of perpetual transmutation of energy. Ooh. I like that. Uh, the law of action and the law of cause and effect. Mm -hmm. uh, number seven is the law of compensation. Uh, so basically, uh, oh, wait, we're coming up on it. Okay, so we got the law of attraction is number eight. Mm -hmm. And number nine, I'm like moving my screens around, so I apologize here. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, let's see, law number nine is the law of relativity. And then law number 10 is the law of polarity. Okay. So that's one of the ones I like. Yeah. Because depending on how far you go one direction means your swing back the other direction is going to be just as extreme. Yes. <laughs> um, but that's how you find the middle. Yes. Um, okay. So I said the law of polarity, law of rhythm. Mm -hmm. Okay. The law of gender. This is number 12. Okay. That's a, that's one of the hermetic principles. You know, it's so funny. I, I recently, it's only recently that I discovered the hermetic principles. It was, it was, which I'm really glad I didn't, I didn't get into them until like this past year. Cause I'd always seen it, but it didn't grab me. So I didn't, I never read them. I just knew that there was something out there called the hermetic principles. And when I finally, I watched a YouTube, uh, video or something and for the first time I, I saw a breakdown of what the seven uh hermetic principles are and mm -hmm. i'm like holy crap i've been working with this the whole time it just like confirmed everything i was doing it was really nice um since we're talking about the hermetic principles i've got the list up too so i, I guess i can put those out there so the <laughs> list of the seven hermetic principles was the law of vibration was number one mm -hmm. Number two was the law of relativity. And number three was the law of cause and effect. Mm -hmm. uh, four was the law of polarity. This one was different than the other list. Uh, number five is the law of gest gestation, uh, which is uh, the period of time it takes for something to come into form. Okay. Uh, law of rhythm. And then the law of transmutation. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah, I, I really love that. Here's the again, and this is always my my big issue 
is everyone talks, you know, I, I found a gajillion videos and, and different things talking about the hermetic principles, but almost nothing on application. Ah, I've got a solution for that one. So the well, the... no, I mean I've got application. I'm not worried about it, but but I, I keep looking at you know what other people uh, propose as application. I'm like, that's not very vigorous application of something that powerful. You know, this is that is that's that's inside the wagon stuff. That's um, there, there's no angle of attack on that. There's it's not, you're not gonna you're gonna do a lot of paddling and not you mm -hmm. know. Exactly. <laughs> Not really uh, get anywhere significant for the most part. Anyway, continue. Yeah. So anyway, like you were saying, yeah, there's some, there's some courses out there that actually dive into this. And that's where the 12 one came from. The guy created a course on the 12 universal laws. And they actually dived into and put applications out there on what to do with them. Okay. Because usually the applications are variations of meditation and law of attraction, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, Again, it's like, and all of that's good, but there are more rigorous things that can be done, like way more rigorous things than, than and I mean, look, I love meditation. Again, I've, I've done Vipassana retreats. It's like, I, you know, I've hung out with monks for a couple of years. It's like, I get it. You know, it's good stuff, law of attraction, lots of good stuff there, but it's, it's an incomplete model. Mm. And, and unfortunately for meditation to, you know, like, like, you know, a, a really good reality hacker is Thomas Campbell. You're familiar with his work, My Big Toe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, his, his explanations are spot on, really great. But when it comes to application, how do you get in there? How do you do this? Mm. Unfortunately, his, his approach was to do 20 years of, of meditation and actual project, projection. And it's like, dude, I do not have 20 years, you know? Mm. to sit in a cave and meditate and same thing with the the monks the monks were were incredibly powerful i learned so much from being around them but we're talking a lifetime of of, of mm. dedication to meditation these guys don't have careers they don't have families they don't you know they're they're sitting in caves with tigers in the in, the, in thailand meditating and and that's awesome and and it's it's amazing but we need we need to we need to speed this up a little bit you know we need we need like faster things so uh, and and also more robust things because there are there are more things than meditation there are more things than chanting there are more things than law of attraction principles there are there are other things that are very rigorous that uh that work very well like non-duality like dr like you know uh uh digital astral projection, like, you know, reality hacking, recoding from, from a, a good angle of attack. There are other things that are, are quick and get good results. Oh, and of course the clearing process. That is like, again, that is the biggest sword of all. And it is a reality hack in and of itself because of how it shifts your, your, your whole game. Mm -hmm. And there's actually, you know, what's interesting is there's actually modalities out there right now that all revolve around the clearing, uh, clearing statements. I'm, I'm really happy about that. Again, though, there needs to be more than a statement. There needs to be action with the statement because otherwise, again, it gets too watered down and it's severe. Again, it's, it's like, what do you want? You know, do you want to be in the kiddie pool and, and just have it be nice and easy and pleasant? And yes, it feels good. And, and But if you really want to change things, you've got to get messy. 
it's got to get dirty. It's got to get a little more severe. And um, actually, uh, I, I have a whole list of, of video clips I'm going to add to my website probably. I have a lot to do this coming week. I really do. But one of them, and it's one of the best uh, um, uh, examples of, or one of the best fictional fictional examples of what a clearing process looks like. I don't mm -hmm. know if I mentioned this in, in our in the last interview. I don't know if I went over this, but it you've seen all the Harry Potter movies, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. In um, the Deathly Hallows, and I think it's the first one, part one. Where they're going after the Horcruxes. When Ron Weasley comes back and he and they get the sword of Gryffindor and they finally figure out how to how to murder that lock, that awful squeaky locket that's driving them all slowly insane. Okay. And Harry says that Ron has to do it. He has to slaughter this Horcrux with the sword. But what Ron has to go through to achieve that is he has to, I mean, the whole time they've been out there in the wilds and in danger, his insecurities have been eating at him and his fears and his insecurities have been eating at him and eating at him, that he's nothing, that Harry and Hermione are the ones that are gonna be together. He's nothing, he's just this little piece of shit. And you know, that they're just letting him tag along and, and you know, and he has to, face that full on it's this big black swirling reality and mm. he has to walk in the middle of that and destroy the horcrux with the sword that's what the the biggest parts of this clearing process are like when you're really mm. getting into your your core pain your core damage you have to bring it up full bore where you feel it and and you can barely stand and you walk into the middle of it and just take it out and drain it and then it's gone. And that's messy. That that takes some balls to do that. It really does. And it's hard. And it, again, it helps you have a partner sort of pushing you like Harry does with Ron, like, Ron, don't listen to him. Just, no, use the sword, walk in the middle and use the, don't listen, it's not true. And, and you know, that's the only way Ron can do it because Harry's yelling at him that you, you've got to get in there and, and kill this thing. You've got to take it out and at its core. And that's what the clearing process is. And I got to come up with a better name for it. And I mean, that's what uh, the guy, you know, the, uh, um, I, always, I always forget his name, but the guy who, who created it, um, that was his name for it. And it's like, I want to come up with a, sharper name so is what you're describing is that similar to doing shadow work i would imagine it's a form of shadow work but i don't i mean certainly there's shadow work element in it although again i've studied shadow work and i've never seen anything this rigorous as far as an application in shadow work <laughs> so i you know i was just so impressed and again i would have never found this guy's technique if katie Again, the other, the other, one of the other hackers had not brought it to me. And it's, it's entrenched in this cheesy book. And the book is actually pretty good, but it's so cheesy. I would have never looked at it in a million years. But she said, Lisa, I think this guy came up with something that you need for your work. Cause I was stuck. Uh, I was getting hacks through, but they were going all monkey paw. They kept twisting and distorting and going in wrong directions and falling apart. And I was stuck. I was like, fuck how do I make it stop 
you know, hitting everything in my life and, and, you know, shooting off like, you know, Han Solo in the trash compactor, shooting a, his, you know, blaster and his boomerang all over the place and not, not doing anything. And, and she, and Katie said, I think, I really think that this guy, this, this guy, you should take a look at this guy's techniques. And so I read the book and I still, you know, I always have a digital copy of the book. And, um, and then I, I, I saw this clearing process that she was referring to. And I'm like, oh my, oh shit, this could, this could, oh shit, this could work. This could work. I need to rewrite it because it's really new agey and that bugs me. But if I just keep all the principles in, the underlying things, that was it. That was the key. That was the thing that made it all work. And that's when I got my first hacks through was after I spent like three months applying this clearing process, like, like a madman. And, um, and I knew when, and, and, um, Robert Scheinfeld, that's the same Scheinfeld, Schoenfeld. He's got a real comp. I need to write his name down because it's like sort of a long Jewish last name, but he, um, he said that you, you keep doing it and you keep doing it and you keep doing it. And you got to keep on it. But then there's a point of breakthrough and you know it when you hit it. And for him, it took years because he had an earlier, clunkier, messier version. He's like me. He goes through all these clunky versions and these streamlines as he, as he, as he goes along. And, um, he, uh, uh, um, and he said, yeah, and finally, after, you know, screwing around with this for a long time and going through all of my garbage, I finally reached a, a tipping point, a breakthrough point. Well, again, by the time I got it, he had streamlined it and I rewrote it so that it, it resonated with me even more. And then I applied. It literally only took me like three months to, to get to the breakthrough point. And I knew it when I got there. And I was like stupid crying all over the place because it was so beautiful. And I was just like, it was a mess, but it was so fun. And it was like, man, this guy, he, he really, he really figured something out that really works. So that was the thing I gave you. That was the thing I sent you. And, oh. um, and I gave it to you the way he wrote it. And then I've added to it. I've, again, I've, I've, I've streamlined it further. I've reflavored it and I have acid tested. I, I've just, mm -hmm tested it under horrible circumstances. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's really a, a fantastic, uh, hack in and of itself that leads to better hacks. Mm. You know, it's, it's, but so, you know, if you can get through that first layer, the rest of it is kind of easier by comparison because you've already developed a, 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 you know, a kind of emotional and psychic bravery that you may or may not have had before. Cause it's, it's it's tough, you know, going in after that horcrux. It really is. Yeah. That that scene is so good. And luckily they have the clip on YouTube. So I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna put it on my website because it's such a good example of this is what it's like when it when you really get to the down and dirty. Uh this is this is what you this is what you gotta do. Mm. The um just to let you know, those original videos that you had, those little mini clips you had a long time ago advertising reality hacking those were effective even though they were little teasers because i've been like waiting for something since this like come on <laughs> you teased me like i don't know how many years ago and it's like come on give me some more info man I, I I know. I, well i'm gonna i, I want to do a new they were set that of videos because huh oh. they were good 
Thank That's you. Saying. Those little teasers were that good. It's like, okay, let's do the class. Come on, come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm planning some other teasers that are um, more visual and okay. more uh, illustrative. But yeah, I still like that that very first video I did where where I've you know, um, again asking the question if if reality you know if reality is holographic. You should be able to hack it. Where do we start? How do we do that? You know, and I still love that first video. I might still keep that because it's it. You know, it just yeah. makes the point. And, and then the reference you made about finding the gooey parts and then pushing on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a was good that one. One of the old videos. Uh huh. Oh God, I got. <laughs> looked at those in years. Jeez. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> I still. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I still remember. I've act, I've also had experiences where um, I have been in various altered states from uh, um, either from meditation or from doing different things, and I could see the room with my eyes closed. It yeah. almost like a, almost like night vision. It almost has a night vision equality, but I could see everything, and I'm like, wait a minute, are, and I, I mean to the point where like my eyes are I like actually tap my eyelids, like my mm -hmm. eyes are closed, right? I'm not, I didn't just accidentally open them and, and then adjust to the, right. that's what it felt like. Like, I, like I had adjusted my vision to the dark room and I could make everything out. I could look around and see everything. It was like, this is cool. I love that stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, now that you brought that up, I wanted to, I did an actual experiment. Uh, I, I, so I did a flotation tank a couple times. I've done it like a float tank three times. Oh, I still haven't uh, done that. Ugh. So I wanted, I wanted to do an experiment to see if you can have a similar experience without the tank, but you still experience at least part of your senses are being blocked out. Yes. And the closest thing I could think of doing was getting one of those, since they came out with the blockout tents, they're like the, the blackout tents. Oh, so they, I'm not oh, yeah. so, so they literally have uh, all this material, so it's like totally blacks out the light. Cool. And I guess they make it for so like they're summertime tents, so I guess you could use it in Arizona because they're silver and reflective. Okay. So it blocks out all the sun, so I guess you can go camping in Arizona and not be too hot. From the <laughs> heat. Um, but it's a pop-up tent, so I actually opened it up in my freaking apartment, my studio apartment, took up the whole living room. <laughs> I just wanted to see, you know, as an experiment, you know, as reality hackers, we got to experiment. Got it. I actually had a visual trip. Uh, it's the best way I could describe it. I, I meditated in this like blackout tent and with my eyes open since it's dark. And I had a very similar visual experience that I had in the flotation tank without having to deal with the salt water and all that stuff. But it was because the visuals were blocked. So that, that was fascinating. So there is some counterbalance to the body making up for the senses. Yes. Um, and you don't have to block all of them out. So even blocking one or two out is enough to cause an experience in an altered state. Although I just got a wicked idea for the float tank. <laughs> if, you, if, 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 if I can get the, the zero roll thing to work just as a, an internal script, uh -huh. To go into a float tank and do a zero roll, that would be a complete zero roll because the, the physical senses would be removed too. Well, by the way, the, your, your first time getting into a float tank is pretty weird. Your sense of balance is off. When you okay. First, so you get this weird sense of motion 
and you're not even moving. So it was like my very first time I got into a float tank, I felt like I was on a river going down headed towards a waterfall. Wow. I really felt like I was moving forwards and I'm not physically moving, but I felt like I'm in a river headed towards a waterfall. I'm like going downstream. It was weird. Cool. <laughs> Until the senses kind of readjust itself and settle down, but it literally felt emotion, body motion. So it's, it's pretty wild. See, but, you know, how lucky are we that we have the training and experience to use? Because most people go into a float tank and they fall asleep. That's what happens to most people. And it's really relaxing, but you're paying 60 bucks for a really good nap is, is what's happening. You know, but, you know, when, when you do the kind of stuff that we do, oh, my gosh, that tank is, is a freaking portal. You know, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I, I literally, to be honest, I literally did it to see if I could actually have a trip. And I wanted to try it, and it was—it's like that was the closest I could get was the physical motion, and then visual, visuals um, didn't really hallucinate. The closest I could get to was like, well, maybe it was a hallucination. It was like a nighttime sky. So, I went, so they have a thing called the was it at dusk or something like a midnight? They call it a midnight light, so you okay. can see light on just the horizon, uh, but the less rest of the sky is dark. So, like, certain places you could go where it's totally dark at night with a starry sky, and you can get this glare that comes up on just the horizon. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened in the float tank. I got, this, like, this glare that came up. <coughs> so it sounds, felt like... That, that sounds like a, at least... A, that actually sounds like a like an entry point for hallucination, you know? Yeah. So I recognized it as, like, the, the midnight sky type effect where you're getting this um, horizon glow. It sounds like if you could float on a regular basis, you'd probably push into it as you acclimated to. Um, that's why it's always best to have your own tank, but boy, they're a pain in the butt and expensive. But, <laughs> but they have like, uh, I know they have inflatable ones now. <laughs> really? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. One of the other, I, and again, I, ha- I already have this loaded up on my website, but I really, uh, really enjoy it is uh, the template Glastonbury. I really like their work. And they finally just put the fourth ceremony up, which I really am happy about. Uh-huh. We, we talked, I talked about that in the last interview, I think. The template, yeah. I think I watched uh, like the first or second one. I didn't really, there was four of them. Yeah. Well, there, I only have three up right now, but they just released the fourth one. Because oh. there, there are like nine ceremonies. There are a bunch of them. Right. Yeah. And they each unlock different things. And so, oh. and, and so what, I, what I was doing, because they want you to make, they say it works better. The more immersive you can make it, the better. So I was taking them into VR. Oh, wow. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. And, and it almost, it all, it's not quite VR, but it's so, they did such a good 3D that it all, I can almost, you know, be in it. You know, it's, it's really uh, inside the, the sacred geometry. The, the, the geometric shapes they created are just breathtaking. And I love that woman's uh, scientific poet, her descriptive technical poetry is, to me, they, they did an excellent job of describing the matrix on a technical slash poetic level you know, how it's actually made. I, I just, I love it. 
there's only one thing that I disagree with them on is that their, their concept is that we are in imperfection and that by aligning ourselves, we can realign um, the arena and bring it into perfection. And I disagree with that because being in a game, the, the, the imperfection is the perfection. That's what we're here for is the imperfection for the contrast as, as um, uh, they would say in law of attraction. Uh, and, and the Glastonbury people don't quite have that, but there's, but, and they, but they even describe how the imperfection is programmed in. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so breathtaking how the multiverse creates these, these, um, imperfect variations of instances for us to play through. I, I get chills just thinking of it, but, but she does, again, it's very technical, as you know, because you've listened to some of it. But if you actually listen to what she's saying, it is a very precise, very precise description of how all of this is built and how it is purposely damaged to be different, different flavors of imperfect. And um, and yet it's perfect in its imperfection. It, it's amazing. I just I I love the template Glastonbury. I would love to go to England and do some stuff in person with them. I would love to do that. They seem like cool people. But uh, apparently Glastonbury. I think the Glastonbury area of England is like their Sedona. It's like where all the freaky, fringy stuff is happening in England. Oh, okay. And they do some edgy stuff. Like some of the some of the. Like, okay, going back to the flotation tanks, mm -hmm. um, somebody came up with this breathtaking new redesign of the flotation tank to make it look like a giant alien egg instead of like a, a dark black tomb, you know, like, you know, the old Samadhi tanks look like a, looks <laughs> like an obelisk from 2001, you know, it's too tomb-like, but, but then suddenly I was seeing these beautiful big egg shaped, like bright light inside with built-in speakers that came out of England. That's where that came from. Oh, yeah. Wow. The British came up with that crap. It's like, damn, what is going on over there? You know, <laughs> and then the template Glastonbury, I mean, that's really breakthrough stuff and nobody knows about them yet. I, I have not heard anybody talk about them. I don't even remember how I found them, mm. but they're, they're amazing. And, oh, I know what I did. I got desperate one night um, because, again, I was frustrated because everyone's going, ooh, sacred geometry, it's so sacred and so geometric. And I'm like, what do you do with it? What is the application? And nobody had, oh, you meditate. And I was like, oh, God, not this again. There has to be an application for sacred geometry. So I Googled. I Googled. I said, sacred geometry, practical application, template Glastonbury came up. And then when I when I looked at one of their videos, I'm like, "Fuck yeah, that's it. these people have some stuff going on. Yeah, they they're really doing some stuff with sacred geometry, other than the ooh and, and the ah." And I I really you know because everyone's like, "Oh, you should check out you know Nassim Haraman," and it's like I keep looking at it and I keep looking for okay, these are shapes and they're powerful and they're universal and multi and and what do you do with them other than meditate on them and and you know wear them or you know what it's, uh, <laughs> it's just it's my big peeve as a reality hacker it's just like damn let's get some action going on here
<laughs> um, goodness, where was I going to go with this? Um, building off of what you were just saying about uh, practical applications, um, uh, going back to um, the, the guy I was mentioning about with the meditation stuff, mm-hmm. my brain just totally, what was, oh gosh, hey, we've, I guess was it the Eric guy? Is it Eric? Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Higher Balance Institute, Eric Pepin. Yeah, my my brain just kind of went left field there for a second. I hear uh, you. He, he combined hypnotism with meditation. Okay. Okay, the, I'd be down for that. One of the the most I think extreme cases of meditation I experiences I had was I was doing one with him where he, he was talking about breaking reality that kind of thing, but uh-huh. he combined it, hypnotism with meditation and because he was using like a what was that what's that machine uh, machine that musicians use that goes tick 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 um, tick oh tick. god what a metronome yeah so he was using a metronome as part of the meditation and then he had his voice over and he had some music going but he literally at one point had us sitting in the room and literally the walls vanish and then you're looking out through the walls and you can see outside so literally part of the meditation, your walls disappear, they're clear. And I'm sitting there going, holy fuck. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. So th- that that's what got my attention with him was my walls freaking disappear. And I'm <laughs> going, this is, there's more going on here than just a simple meditation. So yeah, that, that, that was the point of, when you say practical applications, meditation is useful, but when you combine that with other things. Yes. So make it's, like, it- it's same thing with breath work too, mm-hmm. and uh, that's uh, that's another um, thing. I, I God, I had this laundry list of things to play with, but um, have you seen the OA on Netflix? What is that? It's it's actually really good. You should check it out. Um, the OA. The OA. What's that stand for? It doesn't stand for anything. It's her when she winds up going into this weird space when she has a a, a near-death experience she realizes that her name is not her name and her real name is something that and the closest thing she could come up that what it sounded like was the OA so that's her name Hmm. and that's how she self-identifies after she has these experiences it's a really interesting show. The first season is a little slow to start, but it gets good. The second season is really good. The second season is actually better. Um, and I'm glad I stuck through it. But um, they use, a, long story short, they use a, 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 um, a system of movements. Um, I think there are uh, five of them. And... Um, and it's this really, uh, really beautiful movement and breath work and emotion and energy movement. And mm-hmm. it's, I like it because it's very beautiful, but it's very quick and dirty, too. And I, I actually want to try it out because it might be a good addendum and or replacement for the breath work that I trained in. Because the breath work I trained in works really well, but it takes a long fucking time to do it. It's It's really... You got to like set aside a, a you know two or three hours to do the whole sequence, whereas the the, um, the the five movements of the OA 
are much faster and they're very beautiful. And I suspect I might be able to get the same result with a much shorter progression. Hmm. And what's nice is that there are YouTube, I have to put those on my, I have so much stuff to put on my website, um, but there are tutorial videos on how to do the five movements. Hmm. Because they're, it's very tricky choreography. And, um, but when you see them doing it, it's just beautiful. And the applications are interesting. So um, it might be another nice shortcut when combining breathwork movement with meditation, hypnosis, VR, you know, in, in mixing and matching and seeing what produces what. Um, mm -hmm. the, um, yeah, the, the, five, the five movements might be a better thing mm -hmm. than the, than the, uh, um, the metaphysics uh, breathwork, because the metaphysics breathwork is, uh, it's a lot to do. <laughs> But it's it works great, but it just it takes freaking forever. Sure, and also um, with um, rituals, uh, mm -hmm. these things combine again. When I combine the breath work with a um, an eyes are true ritual, I mean the results were just ridiculous. And my my kindred was like, "What the fuck did you do?" And I said, "I sat up in the room for three hours before the ritual and did this breath work, and then walked into this very well written ritual, and we made shit happen. That's what happened." And you know, so it was is really cool. So I want to ask you about that word that you used when you say ritual. What's the plan of attack with that? I'm just curious. Well, um, okay. Um, for a long time, um, I was involved with Isatru, which is Norse paganism. Oh, okay. So, so it's the gods of the Vikings. It's Odin and Loki and and Freya and all of them. Okay, and Thor and all that. So um, without the Marvel Universe layer on it, <laughs> I, I knew there was something mystical going on there. I just, I never got it out of you, but I knew there was something mystical going on. Um, um, yeah. Um, so in Isatru, I know, right? <laughs> it, in in uh, Isatru, and actually I, uh, um, let me back up even a little bit more. I, I was also a born again Christian for 10 years. So I've done like two religions. Now I can't do any more religions, but I still find value in, in, I mean, both of those experiences were amazing, just amazing. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, some friends of mine have been putting up uh, videos from when I was a Christian back at this church. I used to go, it's like, Oh my God, I love seeing these people again. It's so sweet. You know, and I was like 15 and born again and, you know, rocking with the Holy Spirit. And it was really cool. Had some great experiences. It was actually really uh, very eye-opening in a lot of ways. But then I left because I sort of came to the end of it. And I uh, uh, then I uh, was doing a lot of martial arts and full contact uh, self-defense and fighting and really fun stuff. And that started stirring up... Uh, uh, racial memories, cellular memories of my ancestry. And I started having bizarre experiences with, with ancestral memory without any information of what my genetics are. Remember, this is way before, you know, 21 and me and, and the whole thing. And um, so I was like, what the fuck is going on? What are these visions I'm having in these places I'm being transported? Who are these people? And then I, I found out that I, I, um, I started slowly finding out that I had Viking ancestry. 
I'm, I'm part German and part Scottish and both lines have Viking lines in them and have Viking, uh, you know, cause the Vikings went everywhere and fucked everybody and they you know, put up towns everywhere. And uh, the, the part of Scotland that my clan is from uh, was Viking heavy. So um, that seems to be where most of the ancestral memories coming through is actually the Scottish side more than the German side. Although there's a lot on the German side too. But anyway, so I was having all these amazing uh, uh, cellular memory experiences that were just breathtakingly beautiful. And then, but I was still lost because it was, again, it was before the internet really was going. It was before I had the internet. This is the early 90s. And so I used to do sort of a, a, a bibliomancy in bookstores. I would walk into, and this is back when we had bookstores, I would walk into a bookstore like a B. Dalton or a whatever, and I would let books call me over to them. Mm -hmm. I would just let, I would just be like completely open and it's like, I need information and where do I go? And I would just let something pull me over to it. I found the most amazing books that way. And one of them was I, um, and it's actually right over on that shelf. I found, I, I was, I went to a bookstore and I was having all these, and I said, I need, I need to know, pull me, pull me somewhere. And I, I pulled over to the religion section and I'm like the religion section. And, um, cause I was so not doing religion then. And I found a book called Teutonic religion by a gentleman named Kveldolf uh, Gunderson. <laughs> Amazing book. And I started flipping through it. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is the stuff I've been seeing. This is the stuff I've been you know, getting propelled back into. I'm like, holy shit. And what was even better was in the back of the book, there were, there were people you could write to. There were contacts in the back. And the first thing I did was I wrote the author who wrote me back. It was really awesome. And then I, um, anyway, I found myself, uh, I found an Isotrue kindred that way. And at that time, it was all very underground because again, before the internet, before Marvel, before Isotrue became more mainstream. And now it's pretty mainstream. So um, when you're in Isotrue, you get together and you do rituals. Um, and they the rituals teach you about the gods. They're usually seasonal. It's a way to sort of mimic the, the seasonal uh, observances that our ancestors did. Now, for them, it was life and death. It was harvest and food and starvation and winter. And, you know, but and but for us, it's 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 a learning tool of um, honoring different gods and goddesses, learning about their their uh, their attributes and interacting with them and interfacing with them and and gaining insight or wisdom or, or power or, you know, whatever, you know, and and, you know, uh, different different groups do it different ways. It's, it's very kind of free form in a lot of ways, as long as you're kind of following, you know, sort of general thing, you call a circle, you know, it's like standard Wicca. You call us a protective circle. You call the gods and, and you call the directions and the up and the down. And, and then you, you, you know, we're going to honor Odin tonight. We're going to honor, you know, Freya or, you know, Frigga or whatever. And you, you know, you have candles and mead and horns and, and, you know, you can dress up if you want, or you can just wear street clothes and, and you do, you know, you flick blessing water with a, they used to flick blood, but now we do blessing water with a, with a twig, you know, and you, and you, so there are all these lovely experiences you can have. And, um, and unfortunately though, the, the, the rituals are only as good as the people who write them. 
because I've been to a lot of boring rituals where we're reading off a of paper and it's not, you know, but there are some people who are real geniuses at writing them. And so they have the structure of the, uh, the this one guy in our kindred wrote this one ritual and I still have a copy of it because it's amazing. And the ritual has structure, but he also left these improvisational open spaces within the structure of the ritual. That's where I was able to do stuff. Uh -huh. And so it had just enough structure to bring us into the space, but then it left these places open for things to happen. And I went into that space after doing breath work. So that, yeah. And you had certain roles to play and, and he, he gave me a key role and I went and, and got myself, you know, breathed up for it. And, and I, I channeled a Viking. I channeled a fucking Viking and talked to the whole group. It was amazing. I've never channeled before or since. And it was really, I, oh my God, I love that guy. I don't even know his name, the guy I brought through, but he was amazing. If he were corporeal, I'd want to date him. Okay, that's how cool he was. He was just this amazing, wise, well-balanced, incredibly grounded warrior. Really incredible. And he had amazing things to say. And everyone afterwards was like, what was that? What was that even? When did you start channeling things? And I'm like, you know, and it was it was really great. It was really fun. So that's a very long answer to a to a very short question, but that's generally, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, any kind of ritual, again, if it's written a certain way, balancing between structure and non-structure, structure and improvisation, mm -hmm. um, that is an incredible tool to work with things like meditation, hypnotism, breath work, mm -hmm. you know, um, it, it works very nicely. I'd also like to try that in VR too. Uh, you know, and there's just, there, there are just so many toys to play with in different combination but again it's carving out the time the energy uh you know making sure that the house and the bills and all the bullshit is taken care of so that we can play and mm -hmm. and that's always the trick and I, i'm just at a point where i just i really don't want to have a job anymore i have i have learned to live on very little i have hacked my finances all i need is the, just this tiny little trickle to just keep it all going and I've got everything where it can take care of itself and I can dedicate myself to this and, mm -hmm. you know, and talk to people and share and, and bounce ideas. And what did you find out and who, who did you find and what's this thing over here? And, you know, there's just so much to play with. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. Uh, when, when you were talking breath work, have you come, uh, I'm going to forget the name of it. There's a type of breath work where you hyperventilate. Okay. I forget the name of it. There are a bunch of, like, I was just watching uh, the Wild Wild Country with the Raj, Rajneeshis, uh, the, um, uh, oh, what are they called? Sin, 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 Yusin, Sin. Anyway, it's uh, the, the Rajneesh uh, uh, cult up in Oregon. They did yeah. a lot of hyperventilation work. Oh, that, that's what it's called. Holotro holotropic breath work. Holo okay. Who, who does that? Um, actually, believe it or not, the place I saw this was, do you know the, the, the two people on, uh, YouTube that do the show Good Mythical Morning? And I've seen that. I, yeah. Okay. Link or something like that. Yeah. They're, they're good. I like them. Yeah. So they did a session, one of their, one of their shows, they did a holo breath, holotropic breathwork session. Oh, 
Okay. And I'm watching these guys. I'm going, oh man, that looks cool. They're tripping. They're tripping balls. Uh, <laughs> on your own breath. <laughs> on on a oxygen deprivation in uh-huh. your brain. <laughs> um, there was also the reason why I did the float tank thing because they did a float tank session. Okay. So I got, I got to get on their show too. Oh, since you're in California, well, you might be close enough. The closest I ever had to oxygen deprivation was I drove to the highest point, highest paved road in America, and it was in Colorado. It was oh Mount, uh, yeah Mount Evans. My copy, copy. Oh, okay, all right. Mount Evans, <laughs> but uh, thirteen, fourteen thousand feet, thirteen thousand feet, or something like that. And uh, yeah, oh my God, uh, I didn't get dizzy, dizzy, but definitely felt lightheaded. And there was no mean people up there. The people that were up there in the parking lot, walking around, everyone's happy, nice to each other, giddy. Um, but that that was wild. I mean, everyone's like high because they're lack of oxygen, I guess. But but it was it was a trip. It's a whole different. If you want to have a an easy altered state experience without you know okay. even right. hardcore breath work, just driving to that top of that mountain and sitting there, walking around, watching people, you get get this weird call it lightheadedness. But it's definitely a different feeling. That sounds really cool. So maybe, so maybe the key to having a happy society is to have partial oxygen. <laughs> maybe we'll do better on Mars or something because you know, we could have yeah. <laughs> reduced oxygen environments and and everyone you know behaves themselves suddenly. I don't know, but that's that's really that's really interesting. Well, I mean, with the mental physics breath work, it's not hyperventilation, but it's definitely <laughs> oxygen deprivation because you're. Um, you're you're holding poses and um, um, and holding your breath for a really long time and then letting it out in short violent bursts like and 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 then and then going into poses that stress you even further so it's oxygen deprivation plus physical positioning mm-hmm. and um, uh, and actually it's funny I did it for years with no problem and then I hit a phase where um, I couldn't do it without like seriously hallucinating. I like, like I, I'd see things, I'd see these weird patterns and the patterns actually have meaning too. And um, the pattern would come and then I just would start getting this, um, oh my God, it's like, a, it's like an unfiltered raw data burst. It has no meaning. It's like just suddenly just information and images are just coming and they, there's no rhyme or reason. It, it's not anything. It's just random stuff like people in a dining room and a flower and, and it's just like and, and, it, and, and then I'm like falling down. I can't maintain it because mm. I can't maintain the physical position because I, I, I got to get to the floor because I'm, I'm like losing i'm falling down i'm losing all sense of my body and i'm 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 afraid i'm gonna like you know fall down and get a hit my head or something and um so yeah and and actually my my teachers you know they're friends too and i um actually uh, one of them has been bugging me to start doing the breath work online with her because she's doing online breath work actually uh, i should do that too because 
while I'm expanding a reality hacker, I could throw her some business too. That would be great because she's doing it online for social distancing. Um, um, but she, uh, she's really a, a terrific teacher and just a total love. And, um, uh, so I told her, I said, you know, um, I said, I'm having this problem. I said, you know, so they started keeping an eye on me and they'd see me that I'd start going and, and they're like, Lisa, are you okay? And it's like, yeah, okay. I, I got it. I got it. You know, and they were just sort of keeping an eye on me because I you know everyone else was able to go through the breath work. And suddenly I was, like you said, tripping balls, uh, just, you know, and, and it's always when I hit the third breath, which opens up the heart chakra, that's when it would really start going. And, and it was weird because the pattern I was seeing, um, I was like, that looks really familiar to me. Where have I seen that before? And there's this guy named Stephen Wolfram, who's a, he's not a new ager. He's a mathematician, hardcore mathematician. Long story short, he has been, um, he has been finding the actual code of the matrix. He's realized, he's, realizing that our entire reality is made up of just a few lines of code that generate replicating fractal patterns that make up all of reality. We're like a high polygon simulation, you know, it's just really polygon dense. Okay. But he is like backtracking and actually finding the, 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 the code that generates the patterns. All right. So he's, mm. he's deconstructing the matrix mathematically basically. And then he's building um, search engines based on these codes. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting. He's an interesting guy. I have an article from the LA times from a million years ago, and it's the best article, but there's one law that he found, um, seems to supersede the others as far as pattern generation. I forgot which I think it's, I want to say it's pattern 38 or something. It's, 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 um, he just gave it a numerical assignment. And in the article, in the picture of him, behind him is the picture of the patterns generated, the structures generated by pattern 38. That's what I was seeing when I'd start blacking out, was pattern 38 generation. And that's like the, the blank screen before I start getting this data feed, this raw data feed. So I don't, I don't even know what to do with any of that. I, I, I just... I was like, I got to find some way to manage this or control it or guide it or step it down a few notches so I can, you know, see what the fuck I'm looking at, you know? And, and so I don't even know, but, but the, but again, it, it takes so much time and energy to do this breath work that, um, but yeah, I definitely need to, uh, get her, her stuff, um, uh, cause she's, you know, it's good that she's doing it online cause you, know, you don't have to be in person anymore. And if she can, uh, if Jody can, you know, successfully really make this work online, then that means that a lot more people can participate. And um, and she is actually a, a, a registered reverend of mental physics, so she's gone through all the formal training. But I get a lot of props because I did it for two and a half years, so you know I'm considered sort of a, um, you know, I, I I get I get a lot of credit from the the powers that be, you know, when I come into class, like, oh yeah, she, you know, she really knows how to. She's really done some stuff with us, you know, so, you know, talk to her, listen to her experience in addition to what we're telling you. So it's, it's nice. It's nice to be acknowledged, you know. I don't, I don't feel so abstract anymore now knowing that there's another person that did the whole metaphysics reverend thing and they're into reality hacking. <laughs> 
it's nice to know I'm in the in the in the same yeah. area and I'm not like totally on the edge, but uh, there's other people that are kind of went the same route. Well, what's interesting though is that um, it's not metaphysics; it's mental physics. That's what he called his practice. Really? This was back in the '30s. He established it back in the '30s before metaphysics was even a term. You know? Really? Yeah. It's the Institute of Mental Physics. It's wow. like ten minutes from my house. It's it's like a it's it's the Joshua Tree Retreat Center is what it's called now because the mental physics word was freaking everyone out. It sounds like a new age cult. But I remember when my my real estate agent was taking me around the area for the first time when I was house shopping and we go by the center and it's like a 600 acre facility with uh, buildings by Frank Lloyd Wright and Frank Lloyd Wright Jr. It's a really neat place. And um, um, unfortunately, there are a lot of politics with the place. It's, it's had a lot of problems. And um, but uh, Ding LeMay was the founder. Uh, his name was Charles Edwin Dingle. And then he, he went to China and Tibet. He was a cartographer and a publisher and a map maker. And he was charting Asia, um, you know, at a time when it was still, very, you know, a mysterious continent. And he learned this breathwork technique in, in Tibet and he hmm. brought it back. And uh, he was just way ahead of his time. So he comes out here, which, you know, I'm amazed there were even roads out here in the 30s. I mean, this was I mean, this is still the middle of nowhere. And I'm sure in the 30s, it was really nowhere. And he starts building this Institute of Mental Physics. Hmm. And it's just, it's an amazing place. And, and the teachings are really amazing. Hmm. And uh, so anyway, um, my real estate agent is driving me around and we drive by this place and I see the sign, Institute of Mental Physics. They hadn't changed it to the Joshua Tree Retreat Center yet. And I was, I just burst out laughing and I was like, what is that? What is the Institute of Mental Physics? <laughs> oh my God, where am I moving to? <laughs> what the hell, you know? <laughs> That's when I, that was one of my first indicators. I knew I was really in for some, you know, adventure. Um, and I, um, and anyway, they were doing a, a weekend thing and I was there and I was like trying to make connections because I had just moved here and they had a, um, a like a one hour introductory class, to the breath work. And so I had seen I had done breath work before and I wasn't real knocked over by it. And I went in there and did this one hour, highly compressed, very difficult you know, introduction. And I came out and like my perception was changing. It's like everything looked I was like. Oh my God, I don't know what that was, but I want to do more of it. So I signed up for the class and that's how I, that's how I got involved with the Institute of Mental Physics. Jeez. But um, yeah, so anyway, you know, thankfully Jody is still teaching the, the breath work because it's always kind of a, a background thing. You know, they, they do these big, um, like, you know, Shakti Fest kind of things there and these big events and the breath work always kind of falls to the background because it's, it's hard work, you know, it's, you got to work. It's not just like fluffy feel good. You got to like do some shit. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm just really glad that Jody is is still, you know, fighting the good fight and trying to get it all. Like she's a really good teacher and just a really nice person. So, yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> There's a story of my life right there, but part of it anyway. Oh, my goodness. Uh <laughs> Do you have any other notes, any other questions? That I mean, we... oh my goodness, we've just been all over the place. 
I know, uh, but I love it when we go all over the yeah. place. It's so, awesome. Yeah, it's so, great. Since we kind of opened up the Fringe anyway. Um, By the way, have you ever watched Fringe, the show? No, I haven't. You're missing out. Am I? It's good. Oh, it's good. It's good. It's so good. It's getting, it's starting to get a little outdated because it's, when did it start? Like 06 or something, but, or 08, I think. But, oh, it's so good. Really mm. edgy, fun stuff. Uh, it got me through a lot of lonely, you know, years, like when um, people I've been working, again, I keep having people die on me. I don't know what the deal is with that, but, um, uh, yeah, I was alone for a while trying to figure out reality hacking and I hadn't broken through yet at all. And I was like floundering around. I was getting depressed and, you know, and of course I was having to work and pay bills and yada, yada. And um, Fringe really, it was like my friend, you know, it was like the, these people in this lab. It's like, I need these people in my life as my friends. I would fit so, they could literally write me in as myself into the show and I would fit right in into this group of people and what they're doing and how they're thinking and, and, and what they're messing with. And they do dangerous stuff. And, um, and, they, have a, and they also have a flotation tank because J.J. Abrams, who created Fringe, was a big fan of altered states. Mm -hmm. And so they did a lot of flotation tank stuff and took it to the next level. And they also brought um, uh, Blair Brown, who was in altered states, and they cast her in Fringe. And... Um, Oh my God! It was just uh, really awesome. It's it's and it ran for the first three seasons are really good. It starts going downhill season four, but it ran for like five seasons and and then got canceled. But oh my God, so good, so good. And I and um and they took cutting edge quantum physics theories, okay, theories that really exist, to oh. the best of my knowledge, and they played them out. This is what it would look like if. Uh, poly exclusion really played out in our world. This is what it would look like in real time. And this is how you'd have to interact with it. Oh, That's wow. what they, they like bring it to the ground. You know, it's like, here are all these, you know, fluffy theories. Here's what it's like when you put it on the ground and, and wheels to the road, you know, mm -hmm. and, and now you've got a problem and you've got to deal with the consequences of opening this portal or merging these worlds or, you know, mixing these genetics together, <laughs> but you know, what or getting in the tank full of drugs, you know, or whatever, you know, it's, it's, um, mm. these are the consequences and, and now you got to deal with it. And it's, it's amazing. It mm. is just amazing. But it's, it was also a good cautionary tale because, again, because I, because what I do play with can get dangerous. They show you how ugly it gets when it goes wrong. And it's like, really? fuck, I do not want to wind up there. And it's like, okay, I really have to, I have to be careful. I have to be very slow and very careful because what JJ is showing in this show, this is one of JJ Abrams' early shows. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Oh, JJ Abrams. The JJ Abrams. Oh, wow. Like Star Wars JJ, alias JJ Abrams. Yeah, this is his show. And, um, uh, and Star Trek J.J. Abrams. And so, uh, yeah, and and um, I was like, man, okay, good. I, I need to see this. I need to see. I need to see it going wrong and how wrong it can go and how much you can regret it. And I need. I need to have that reminder. It's a good show. Anyway. Hmm. <laughs> uh, 
one of the things that came up that yeah i had one more thing i wrote down that i wanted to bring up again like as that's why i started with the fringe thing what way back where you were talking about with the clearing and you were talking about compressing it like a Capri synth package. Um, one of the things in the occult field uh, that they go over is thought forms. They talk about uh, oh, yeah. thought forms. Mm -hmm. They take on a, not quite a, become a living entity, but they take on a strength, uh, a life force of their own and they grow like a simulated life force. Um, so that's yeah, and chaos mask would be like an egregore, you know, where, yes. where uh, on, on, a, on a more massive scale. Yes. So you've got the little thought forms uh, that you generate on a daily basis just by going around your daily life. And you generate these things by thinking about it or being engrossed in a topic. Uh, then you get on a more massive scale. You get an egregore where you got mass consciousness producing, you know, with this whole coronavirus thing and all the fear that's surrounding it. Yeah. Uh, think about the egregore that's getting created with all this fear. Um, I, I, I'm not. I'm not worried. I, I'm not worried about that. Um, first of all, this never scared me. Uh, Contagion is one of my very favorite movies. Always has been. So I knew this was going to happen. It wasn't an if. It was a win. And I've literally watched every scene from that movie play itself out in some form. It's so mm -hmm. interesting to me. And we're just lucky. Again, we keep getting lucky. It's like we really are being protected. This could have been so much worse. If this had been like the virus and contagion, that would be terrifying. But this is, you know, this is a souped up flu. You know, this and it's weird and it, it's very contagious, but it's probably going to get worse. But it's not, you know, it doesn't have like a 20% mortality rate, you know, like the MMB virus does. Think about the egregore that's getting created behind the reaction to this. Mm -hmm. But think about that. And then as it grows and it gains a kind of like, consciousness of its own it wants to maintain and grow okay so it's a feedback loop of itself so that's the idea behind an egregore and if it, unfortunately if it's a negative energy that created it it's going to mm -hmm. want to sustain itself so it's this feedback loop of causing more fear to grow mm -hmm. and keep going. so think uh, that blows my mind when i think about this and you know various other things but this, surrounding this whole virus thing uh, that an entity is created by mass consciousness and it grows interesting and then it wants to get its claws into things to cause more fear to keep growing. Right, right. So what does this turn into? People don't get a handle on things. Yeah. And calm the heck down. This thing, <laughs> you know, what can this thing grow into? So that that's kind of the the thought when you start that's... getting into egregores and the occult side of things. It's fascinating. At the same time, it can be scary itself. Just yeah. the idea of an entity. So when you talked about the whole Caprice and package thing and, and shrinking it down. Uh, I kind of thought of that as like draining, draining the thought form. There, there's actually a practice where to get rid of a negative thought form, you actually literally attach onto it and drain the yeah. energy out of that thought form. Yeah. And see, see it collapse and shrink. It, and yes. And the imagery can be violent too. I, I've gone to some dark places with my, clear, but I like it. Cause like, like for instance, I might try clearing it. And then I go back and 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 I test it, and there's still there's still a charge, so mm. I wasn't aggressive enough. So I will go in and and I mean I'm kind of embarrassed to confess this, but I I have to because it's part of the process. Sometimes, like if it's somebody that really hurt me or really did deep, I get very very violent with them, and I'm tearing things off and 
you know, I'm doing full violent vampire, you know, just, you know, and, and really going to some ugly places, but it gets the job done. And, and, and the, the form is on a, is, is a, a is a, uh, is a, uh, a, a, a husk on the ground that's been drained and I have the energy and, and the, and the clearing holds finally. And, and I go back and I check it. I keep checking. I, I think about it or look at pictures and it's like, is this, Am I am I uh, feeling am I feeling um, uh, triggered or agitated or you know am I getting any charge or any uh, you know and it uh, there needs to be nothing nothing like like the dune the Benny Jesuit uh, litany of fear I turn the inward eye to seek its path and only I will remain you know that's what you want is only I will remain and sometimes you have to do it a few times because the thing keeps trying to come back and reassert and reform itself and it's like fuck just fucking die my god <laughs> what the hell how many times did the fucking drain you before you will die you get on the ground and stay there and so i mean that's where it goes you know and and the imagery can get very violent but you don't have to tell anybody that can be between you and yourself and god and and it's okay you know and again you're not hurting the other people you're just unsubscribing from this bullshit you know and so, um, uh, yeah. And so, yeah, I unsubscribed from the from the coronavirus egregore, but I wouldn't mind draining it either because that would be an incredible source of, of raw mm -hmm. power. Mm -hmm. And um, and yeah, and again, the imagery of draining it, it I I'm going to use the Capri Sun packet as a as a and it just wrinkles up, you know. And instead of being this big plump packet of juice, it's just this shriveled up, silvery husk, you know and with a little pokey straw and the <laughs> they can never get in the hole and, um but the uh um the other thing with the egregore that was so funny somebody pointed out in uh because i'm part of a chaos magic forum because i went through a few years of learning how to work with chaos because it's like i'm just too rigid i need to i really need to learn how to get dirty with this so i joined the forum actually katie again the the one who who helped me out she said you should you should start looking into chaos magic. I think you'd like this forum. They can, okay, there's another thing from Rick and Morty. You got to start watching Rick and Morty. It's so, it's called a Mesex box. Okay. What? And you, <laughs> oh, God, I love it. Rick, Rick leaves Jerry and, and his wife, Jerry and Beth alone with a fucking Mesex box and runs off with Morty to another you know, dimension, because they want to solve some problems. And Rick's like, I don't have time to solve all your problems. Here, use the Mises box. And, and so he leaves them alone and the daughter, Summer, the three of them with the Mises box. And so the Mises box, you hit the button, it's a blue box, you hit the button on top, and then this blue creature pops out and goes, hi, I'm Mr. Mises, you know? <laughs> and, and, um, and the purpose of a Mises is to solve your problem. And their whole existence is to solve your problem. And as soon as they solve your problem, they poof, they disappear. It's an egregore. It's exactly what you create in chaos magic. You create this thing to serve it, for, and then it's supposed to self-destruct. If you don't destroy it, problems occur. You know, problems ensue, wackiness, ensue, and that's what happens. Um, um, you know, Beth and Summer, 
are able to successfully use uh, their their Mr. Me6, use their Me6, and and uh, Summer becomes more popular in school. Me6 helps her, and Beth uh, solves some personal issues, and Me6, they go out to dinner, you know, and the Me6 totally helps. And then as soon as she gets it, the Me6 just, poof, disappears. But Jerry just wants to take a couple of uh, strokes off of his golf swing, and the Me6 is working with him and working, and Jerry is not fucking getting it. He can't. And, and the Mesex is getting, and like they're not used to being alive that long. And they're like, I can't handle this. I, and then, so the Mesex starts hitting the Mesex box to get another Mesex to help him help fix Jerry so that they can all die. And it's worse and worse and worse and worse. And so, but that's exactly what happens in chaos magic. If you don't self-terminate your egregores, you know, they, they get completely out of, oh my God, the Mesex box. When they, somebody made that comparison, I'm like, Holy shit, that is the perfect description of, of, a, of a chaos magic egregore is, is, a, is the fucking Mesex box. So, um, oh, I love, I love Mr. Mesex. He's so <laughs> funny. Oh, my God. It's so, just, I love Rick and Morty. Oh, I love him. <laughs> it's, it's wild. It really is wild. Now you got me wondering. I got a whole bunch of stuff to check out. So I've got the, the Rick and Morty to start poking into. Mr. Mesex. Because <laughs> I saw the Rick point two that you talked about. Yeah. Oh God, I love. Yeah, Roy. Yeah, Roy two point Roy, Roy two point So yeah. I saw that, and then you talked about Westworld. Uh, I, the, I have a couple of trailers up about Westworld on the site right now, but I haven't gotten the season three trailer up with the um, with the insight uh, uh, with the insight um, uh, matrix. And then there was the other one that you talked about, the uh, Fringe. Oh, yeah. Oh, Fringe is so good. And what was it? You mentioned there was another show in there somewhere. Um, I forgot. I had Rick and Morty, Westworld, Fringe. Um, Rick and Morty, Westworld, Fringe. Oh, oh so, uh, I'll have to make a list of the, um, the uh, movies about parallel worlds. Okay. Like coherence, and there, there are a lot of these little indie movies about parallel worlds that are very fun to watch. Um, plus one, parallel, uh, plus one, coherence, um, seven in heaven, um, frequency is good, although it's really hard to find that movie. These are just like little gems I found on Netflix, you know, digging around, you know, digging through all their crap and looking for treats. Mm. Um, and, um, and then, uh, of course, the, the template Glastonbury, which yeah. isn't a show, but it should be. <laughs> there was another movie that was really good. The same guy that made uh, Devs, um, he also made a movie. I'm trying to remember. It was actually within the last couple of years. Uh, aliens come to the Earth, and then this force field is actually expanding out, and it starts taking over the Earth. And inside this force field... Things are changing and shifting and mutating. Oh, is that um um yeah um I know it begins with an A. Um, Annihilation. Annihilation. What... I've seen that. That is very good. Yeah. I like that movie. I yeah I have a copy of it. So that that was fascinating. That was that was really that was really good. Um, also for me and this was for me this was another cautionary uh, tale was um, Stephen King's The Mist. The movie, not the, the TV show is horrible. I hated it. But the, the original movie, the um, and the director's name is Frank 
Garambon. Um, I don't know. Same guy who does um, um, uh, Walking Dead. Okay. Um, but the mist, I and it was so funny. I was again, I was working on my ideas, and um, uh, and I thought, oh, I'll take a break and watch this this fun monster movie. Mm-hmm. And then I get to the point where they explain where the monsters come from, and I'm like, oh no. No, 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 no. <laughs> it was like, now the movie is like this check on what I'm doing. I always have to keep it in mind when I am doing what I do. Because I don't want to make that mistake. I really don't want to make that mistake. <sighs> I'm trying so hard not to be that stupid and that reckless. Um so they explain in the the movie the mist. Um, yes. Okay. So the movie. I, I don't want to give it away. So uh, you okay. know, because it's it's fun. Is, is there more than one, or as far no, as no, no, no? There's just one. Um, um, and what's funny is that the the director hired a bunch of the actors to be in the Walking Dead. So you'll see a lot of the people who are in the first season of Walking Dead are in this. <laughs> it's like it's like they move from one catastrophe to another. <laughs> Oh, but wow. it's, it's a really good movie and the characters are amazing. And it's one of those things where you start asking, what would I do if I were in, you know, what, would I do the same thing? You know, this guy seems to be making all the right moves and yet everything is just going so wrong. And it's like, would I, what would I do? You know? And, um, it's, it's, um, it's so good. It's so good. But I'll, I'll tell you the, the basic premise. I won't okay. give away the spoilers, but I'll give you the basic premise. Um, you know, people in this sleepy little town and, and a big storm, a weird big storm comes through. And there's a, a big mist that's coming like over the lakes and stuff. And, you know, it's just like a weird um, weather anomaly, you know. And, and you know, everyone's recovering from the storm and broken trees and windows. And you know, everyone's going into town to get supplies because that's what you do. Okay. So they go and everyone's going to the same grocery stores. It's really great sort of retro grocery store, big windows like in the 60s, you know. And they're all in there and they're getting stuff. And 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 suddenly this air raid siren goes off. And, and the fog, the mist starts coming over into the parking lot. And they're like, what the hell is going on? And. And then suddenly somebody runs out of the of the mist and pounding out the door. Let me and they run to the grocery store and they're and they're bloody and they're like, there are things in the mist. There are things in the mist, you know. And 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 he's like, you gotta, you gotta, we've gotta lock the door. And so they all get locked in this grocery store, and they're trying to figure out what the fuck is even going on. And oh. and you know, and you want to talk about a fear egregore, you know, and and it's just you know, all these people reacting and responding and investigating and trying to figure out what the fuck even happened, you know, because it's, it's really good. And it's, it's Stephen King and, and um, just get ready that it's, Stephen King liked this version. Let's put it that way. Okay. He, he really, and they improved on some things he did. He was like, oh, man, I wish I had thought to, you know, do that that way. You know, he really liked it. So um, it's very well done. And then there's also a limited series that Netflix did. I didn't like it. I I, I just, but the movie was jarring. And afterwards, afterwards, I was like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. 
shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> what? <laughs> what the fuck? So yeah, it was just it's crazy. Yeah, so that that's a really good one. Um there is a another movie that I liked that was kind of edgy. Uh, you ever heard of Dark City? Yeah, yeah. I've seen that, that, that a few was, times. That was strange. Uh-huh. That <laughs> was, was not... yeah. But that, that didn't give me, um, I'm always looking for things that give me something to work with, you know, like a principle or a, an idea or an illustration. Mm. Um, that's why I liked Fringe so much because, oh my God, every week they would give me, like, mm. oh my God, I've got to work with that. I've got to work with that theory. They, they moved my work so far ahead. I was able to solve so many problems by watching French. It was like, oh, that makes sense. And I know that's based on a real theory. So let's run that through and see how that works. You know, I'll, I'll adjust what I'm doing to, to, you know, compensate multiversally in these ways. And they really helped me out a lot. And hmm. here's the weird part with uh, French. Okay. There, I, this, I wish I had grabbed this video because I think it's gone down. Because this is something that popped up and disappeared. In the first season, they were talking to one of the uh, one of the producers, and they actually had to have government agents involved in their creation process and on the set. Because some of the things they show are things that are actually being worked on, and they didn't want that. So that what they so the the, the government uh, agents were sort of monitoring to make sure there was an equal mix of pure fiction with the things that are actually being developed and worked on. Whoa! To to just confuse the issue. Wow. And there was a video where one of the producers is talking about how they yeah how they have to answer to these guys and make sure that the mix is right. Jeff Pinkerton was the name of the producer. And, and it was just like a blip. It was like a two minute, you know, like a, a, a one minute interview at an event. And, um, and then I never heard about it again. Hmm. And it was like, holy shit. And I believe it too. I believe it. Um, I mean, I'm not, I don't do conspiracy theories. I just don't. But that was... That was real, and that was fascinating. I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, I already knew the show was legit, but when mm -hmm. I heard that, I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was the kind – I don't know if that supervision continued as they moved on, although I would imagine it did, but in the first season, they had, they had government babysitters making sure that they weren't playing out the secrets too hard. Whoa. Or, or guessing too well. That was, that was the other, you know, because, you know, we're talking J.J. Abrams here, you know, mm -hmm. and his top writers. Yeah, they can guess. They can extrapolate and, and you know, that this is probably what this I, or this beginning science is going to. And the government guys are like, eh, just take it a little over that way, misdirect it a little bit that way or mix these other non concerning plot, you know things into the mix interesting <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> this has been yeah this is quite the conversation this time hasn't it oh my gosh well, we knew it we knew it would be we knew yeah, it would be true. 
Well, it's it's interesting being on the edge, isn't it? Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's like when I did, um, I did that. Maybe it was a blessing when I when I did that workshop and only the one person came because I hired them and no one else came. Yeah. Maybe that was a blessing, you know, because. Well, plus you got it on video. It's not like, you know, you can't reuse it. So, um, but also, you know, that was, um, you know, you, you got to stick your toe into the water somewhere, you know. I mean, I've been doing this for years and I still have no people, you know, so. It's just the way it is, but, but it's starting to grow. And like when people find the site now, they're like, oh my God, I didn't even know this was a thing. And, and it's like, it's not new age. And I love that. And it's like, mm. what? oh, I like the way this sounds, you know? So, so people are ready now. People are ready. Mm. And the more unhinged everything gets, the more on board they're going to, you know, it's all, it's all kind of starting to, to undo at the seams anyway. So why not? You know, yeah. play with it while it's while it's happening because it's such an amazing opportunity. Oh, the other thing I'm going to put up on my website is um, one of uh, Jack Hauk's spoon bending parties. I found one on YouTube. Awesome. Yes. I still so, want to try it though. So. Huh? I still want to try it. Oh yeah, I don't know if it works with the video because you need to be in the group peak energy in order for the spoons to bend. Like I can't bend a spoon right now, but if I'm in the middle of that thing where everyone's all hyped up, then I can. And what normal spoon bending is, is you can just, it's like it's heated up and you can just push it over and twirl it like spaghetti on your fingertip. So I have all these twirled up spoons and forks that I did in his classes and they just bend over just real. And then they harden back up again as the energy changes. So it's crazy. But I did see one, I did see uh, one uh, adolescent girl who, while we were just get in my first spoon bending class, um, one 13, like she was like 13 and we were just sitting and he was just doing the introductory stuff. We weren't even in the middle of the thing yet. And her spoon suddenly flopped over. It just flopped over by itself. She lost her shit. She, I think she had to leave. She was so scared after that. She was so, that that's adolescent psychic ability. You know, when you're in those hormonal shifts, they throw you out of those peaks and, and you get these spontaneously, these uh, spontaneous psychic bursts as I, it happened to me when I was an adolescent. And um, um, so, I mean, I, I understood what she was going through, but she was scared and, you know, nobody wants to be Carrie, you know, uh, right. <laughs> you know, and that's how she felt, you know, and um, um, that was wild. That was crazy. That was amazing. But Jack Halk was the coolest guy. And I, I just really wish he was still alive. But he's an amazing guy. But he never charged. He only charged like 10 or $15 for his parties. Yeah. Hmm. And he could have easily charged 100 or 200 Easily. Easily for what he was doing. Or 50 or something. And everyone kept telling him, you're charging too late. He's like, you know what? I don't need it. And I just want, I need to teach this to as many people as possible. So... Yeah. Mm. Anyway, go on. I could just go and go and go, but I need to stop. 